You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy. I'm the host of this fine program. Today, I've got Cam Barry with me in a two-man show as we get you set for Big Cat Weekend on the plains. We're about to go through all the players 2024, 2025, and beyond that Auburn uh, has got coming to the Plains for Big Cat Weekend, the biggest Big Cat Weekend in quite some time. So we'll preview that here in just a few moments. A little bit later today, we'll have 2023 over-under for the ACC win totals, uh, completing our jaunt through the Power 5 Conference and the over-unders. We've I already completed all the others. ACC is last but not least, so we'll go through over-under win totals for them a little bit later in the show. Have a few more thoughts on expansion as give Cam the opportunity to talk what we talked a lot about yesterday, which is Colorado going to the Big 12. Of course, we did Big 12 win totals yesterday. If you missed that, check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. And, of course, we gave our extended thoughts on the complete mismanagement of the situation by the Pac-12 leading to Colorado to go back to the Big 12. Uh, if any other news breaks there, we will talk about it, but we'll have a few more thoughts on that throughout today's program. A what to watch for over the weekend at the end of the program. Of course, as always, birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide. So a fun and full show for you here on this Friday afternoon. Again, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you. Cam, uh, one and only time on the show for you this yeah. week as you had to get moved in. I hope that uh, was successful and good to see you, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, very successful move. A, a long week that it was just in terms of getting everything settled. And now I'm, I'm staying with my old grandmother. So <laughs> hanging out with her and it's going to be a great time saving a little bit of money. So that's the plan. And um, yeah, so uh, doing great. Um, Pac-12 expansion or not, excuse me, not expansion, I guess decline. <laughs> yeah. Right, Big Twelve though gaining uh, gaining Colorado. That's a pretty big move, or I, I guess they're returning back to the Big Twelve is really how we how we'll put it. Um, and so you know that that makes them the thirteenth team now in the Big Twelve. So um, I, I think there's an expectation that they're going to add another team at some point. Some people have there have been some rumblings that another team is going to leave the Pac-12 and go and join the Big Twelve. And so uh, we'll see how that goes and plays out. I'm um, excited to talk about Big Cat Weekend, all these high recruits, got some got some commits. Uh, Perry Thompson, a, a big one, um, potentially could be flipping is what a lot of people are saying to to Auburn from Alabama, five-star wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it, it's a lot to talk about, and then we'll get into the ACC, and uh, maybe we'll talk about a little bit of Braves baseball as well. So you never know. Yeah, a lot in store for you here on this Friday afternoon. 
Uh, again, just Ryan and Cam with you here. So three full hours. Let's get to it. Let's start with Big Cat Weekend coming up on the Plains this weekend, something that has happened for a long period of time. I'm not so sure, though, that in recent years the amount of hype was around it as is this year as Auburn has some big fish to fry, some big targets, and some big momentum coming off the heels of landing Demarcus Riddick uh, on Wednesday out of Clay Chalkville, the, the five-star, excuse me, out of Ch- Chilton County, I should say, uh, the, the five-star that uh, had been committed to Georgia for quite some time that now is committed to Auburn. And so uh, thus begins a important recruiting weekend for Auburn uh, as there are – a lot of players that are flippable coming to the Plains. There are oh, a lot of players that are gettable. There are, are a lot of big names. There are so many to read through. We will go through the top few here first because, of course, uh, the, the big prize, eyes on the big prize here. So the five-star guys, we will just start with five-star guys to start off with uh, because there are still four of those plus a 2025 five-star uh, to talk a little bit about. So DeMarcus Riddick out of Jilton County High will be here. This information, by the way, is available on on 3. Uh, they do a great job of uh, all the recruiting. We use that a lot for the team rankings, for NIL profiles, and that sort of thing. On 3 does a great job. want to give them their credit. They've compiled a great list here. Five-star defensive back K.J. Bolden out of Buford, Georgia. Five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson out of Foley, who, of course, is currently committed to Alabama. And five-star Zaquan Patterson out of Hollywood, Florida. That one's not been as uh, as much buzzed about, but another defensive back there to a class that already has several defensive backs committed. The 2025 five-star is wide receiver Ryan Williams, who is also an Alabama commit. He is out of Sarah Lynn. And uh, again, there are a lot of others we'll, we will talk about. Some, some also a bunch of Auburn commits too uh, that are coming. That are, are again reaffirming that and, and visiting on this big weekend. Yeah. But we'll start with those five star guys. Cam again, a lot of rumblings with some of those guys. And again, most notably, guys that Auburn has been attempting to flip. I mean, yeah. they are now batting five hundred in the big time recruits they've gone for. They've gone for Cam Coleman, who was uncommitted, but now committed to Texas A&M, and they went hard after DeMarcus Riddick, and and he flipped from Georgia to Auburn. Again, we also want to always mention, as we are still four months out, five, four and a half months out from signing day, even if there are commitments, still don't want to use his gospel, certainly right. uh, covet the commitments, certainly think highly right. of them. And, and it's got to be dry. It's, it's something. Yeah. It's not nothing. Uh, but of course, until that uh, until that name is on the dotted line and signed, sealed, and delivered, there's still always the possibility. So, and th- thus we're talking about Auburn trying to flip people right here. Uh, and so we always want to mention that we don't want to say that it's always signed, sealed, and delivered, even if Auburn does get array commitments. But again, Cam targeting some of the biggest names in the recruiting world uh, and trying to make real uh, again trying to make even more out of the momentum they already gained from the Demarcus Reddit commitment on Wednesday. Yeah, Hugh Freeze and, and company are really trying to continue to make waves. Um, and in not even a full year of, of him being a, a head coach, he's obviously seen that Big Cat Weekend is something that has kind of slowed down. I think it was something that was started by Gus, but now um, he's bringing back because the previous regime didn't really do it. And when they did, I guess maybe it wasn't big, whatever. Anyway. Now they're here, and it's a huge thing. It's going to be a big deal. As you can see, we've got, I mean, just a a plethora of players 
I mean, this is, uh, I mean, I'm looking and, I, and I'm estimating probably about 40, maybe 50 players here that are that are between the 2024 and 2025 classes. And and they're trying to create a lasting impression, um, bringing in all, especially, you know, bringing in the guys that are committing, the guys that have shut down their recruitment. Obviously, that's um, a big deal uh, in terms of some of these 2024 guys. Um, I do know for a fact that... Um, Let's see. I think Jamarian Burnett, um, he shut down his recruitment. I'm pretty sure Jaden Lewis also shut down his recruitment. Some current Auburn yeah, commits, Auburn, yeah, Auburn commits. And Amon Lane, I think, also shut down his recruitment. So these guys are are really committing really, really hard to Auburn. And then Walker Walker White is a is a walking uh, a walking recruiter for the 2024 class as well. Who's who's trying to bring in a bunch of different guys. Uh, Perry Thompson, who's the Bama commit, big time wide receiver. Um, five star, you know, again, a high impact player that um, wide receiver has not been highly touted um, in, in in Auburn recently. And so to bring in a guy like Perry Thompson would be huge um, and show that, hey, we're trying to get get these wide receivers in here. We're trying to uh, get these five star guys, get these guys that are going to be high impact. K.J. Bolden out of Buford, Georgia. A lot of people were you know expecting him to commit to UGA but now we're seeing some crystal balls where he might actually commit to Auburn as well so there's been some surprises here um, uh, that that we've seen in the last few days and then you got plenty of other guys that that are going to be high impact and I don't know much about Zaquan Patterson obviously like you say he's a five-star DB but I mean that's a very already a very full room I mean the more the merrier of course but um, there, there's and especially a five star, but that's a lot. And then Ryan Williams, who's um, I'm pretty sure if he were to commit to Auburn, he would be an Auburn legacy because his dad um, was. Um, oh my gosh, uh, I'm pretty sure his father played at Auburn. Um, maybe, yeah, think so. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, and he's com- currently committed to Bama. Five star wide receiver, uh, apparently very very talented. Uh, would try to get him to commit. Try to get him to flip. Maybe uh, probably keep working on him because he is in the class of 2025. But um, we'll see. But man, it, it, I mean, it's exciting and, and a lot of lot of uh, excitement going on. Can't wait to see what this Big Cat weekend just brings to to Auburn. Honestly, yeah. I mean, they really uh, when. When you look at the, I, I wish we could easily, if we, we, we researched it, uh, we might be able to find last year's what they actually brought. But I don't have it in front of me. I don't have it off the top of my head. But I would I would assume it is one of the more night and day comparisons right. that, that you could see. Uh, again, when Auburn was batting, what, what, around 60th, around the midway point in the country yep. in recruiting going into the fall. So, I mean, you can – put two new together even if they had a uh, a big amount of, of players they were either not highly coveted or they were certainly not committing so go going through the profiles of some of these guys again perry thompson is one that a lot of people have talked about and justifiably so it is getting to the point where despite the fact he is currently committed to alabama it would almost be an upset for alabama to retain him yeah uh is is how big the the noise is surrounding him and look some people don't like these type of things i'm just again i I don't have a firm stance i want to see it play out for a few years before i decide how how airtight these things are because cam coleman was a 95 percent to auburn he ended up Texas A&M or at least committing to Texas A&M but if you like the recruiting prediction machine that on three produces they've got 87% chance 
of going to Auburn. Even with the commitment to Alabama, they've got just over 10% likelihood of him staying committed to Alabama. So that is uh, where there's smoke, there's fire type of uh, conversation around Perry Thompson. Again, he is the number eight wide receiver nationally, uh, the number 29 overall player, the number three player out of the state of Alabama. Uh, that would be, again, a huge get, especially considering Cam Coleman is not believed to be on the board. Again, That after after all that, I mean, I, I don't know if he is going to be signed, sealed, and delivered. I think that there are certain players that are going to still judge the performance of these teams in the fall. I think there are certain players that would not. Uh, this will sound like a biased Auburn opinion, but I, I do believe that this is how it's going to be looked at. Yeah, I, I think that for Auburn, their performance might not matter much this first year. I, I really don't. I think there could be some situations that it does matter for other players, other kids, other coaches, and that sort of thing. But Hugh Freeze's message is consistent. It is not this team's going to be awesome this year. We're going to just be flinging it everywhere, 11-1, and 10-2, and two, go ahead, sign us up for a conference title game. That, that's not what Hugh Freeze is talking about. He is delivering a 2024-2025 message. And so I would assume it's the same thing to these players is, hey, Auburn is a big deal. We're going to start it. We're going to give you a foundation here in 2023, but you're going to be what puts us over the top in 2024, 2025, 2026. So I would not think, unless Auburn had an dreadful year where they were five and seven or something i really do not think performance will matter a whole lot for the team for the recruiting class for these kids uh to flip or not to flip that sort of thing in in 2024 and 2025 now coming into year two year three yes the performance will have to change they will have to be uh contending for titles they will be having to make a playoff and that sort of thing but i'm just saying this year i don't think the messaging is hey uh, you know Perry Thompson, we're going eleven and one this year. Look at this huge right. thing we're going to do, yeah. and then come join it. I think it's you're going to help us be yeah. you're kind gonna, of the you're groundbreaking element yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that is why the uh, messaging. I, I can still see a situation where not a lot of these players are too worried about Auburn's performance in 2023. Where there is other situations where that could end up being true. Yeah, absolutely, could be. Um, true, you know, guys like Perry Thompson, guys like KJ Bolden that could absolutely come in, um, and these these wide receivers, especially, they can come in, be the class that sets the tone for this new Hugh Freeze era that says, "Hey, we need you to come in here right now." The team, you know, they're okay, we're okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna win some games this year. But next year, when you come in, you're going to be the class that in the future, I'm going to be the who I, I if you're Hugh Freeze talking to these players, he's saying I'm your class is going to be the one that is going to be staked like I'm going to stake myself on. Uh, and he said right. that he said 2024 is going to be the real class that he's really going to absolutely build everything off of, obviously, because 2023 he got hired so late. It was kind of hard in that recruiting cycle to finish. So 2024, he's been pushing extremely, extremely hard, and it's showing. I mean, you're, you're seeing it where all of these commits are flipping, they're they're shutting down their recruitment, and so and so, and and uh, he's really getting these guys to buy into what he's what he's selling in the Auburn program. So I'll give you an instance of a player again, and we've talked about him a little bit before, but if you're just now tuning in, that sort of thing. I, I think Cam Coleman would fall under someone where. Now, granted, he if he ends up decommitting from A and M one day in the fall, it's not necessarily right. go to Auburn. Let's right. be it's clear, there's going to be other schools, but but Coleman is someone where I target as saying, "Hey, this guy, I would watch him and make sure that he's really committed." Because 
performance will matter in A&M, and the reason it will matter is if they go 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six yep. again and end up moving on from Jimbo Fisher. I know that is a ton of buyout money, and we'll have that conversation if and when the time comes if A&M is struggling again. Yep. But if A&M does not turn it around, that is where I'd say, hey, this fall performance will matter in this case because a coaching staff would change. Absolutely. It, you know, th- kids commit to coaches just as much as they commit to a program. And, and so – I would look at it as, okay, if they're not going to work with Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, yeah, offensive players are going yeah, to be less likely to, to stay committed yeah. to Texas A&M, excuse me, and you can't sign till December, so the season will have to commit. So that's a situation. That's where I think it's a different situation where Auburn's is just coming into this. If, if you have a seven or eight win team, well, that's the expectation. That is what is the kind of the goal for year one. Obviously, it's not like goal year two, year three, year four, but the goal for year one is just give yourself a solid foundation, and then you, Perry Thompson, you, Walker White, you, Demarcus Riddick, et cetera, and et cetera, you guys are the difference that take us from seven and eight wins to 10 and 11 yeah. wins and take us to a playoff so that's the why the messaging is different there i want to talk about one more guy and then we'll have to hit our first break and again we'll have more coverage of a big cat weekend throughout the show today but kj bolden that's a guy yesterday that i probably erroneously wrote off as kind of a a, a lesser chance yeah uh even I since i said that there UGA. have been yeah. uh even since i said that there has been more buzz for him now the recruiting prediction machines out of on three still spit out a georgia florida state battle with ohio state auburn clemson and auburn all just kind right. of chilling in a second tier of teams but again he is going to be at big cat weekend there is buzz around him as there is buzz with with all these big guys. But Bolden would be someone really fascinating if that ended up being uh, a, a flip because he, I think, I think of all the players Auburn's actually recruiting hard and actually getting to go to campus, he is truly the highest rated player. Yep. Uh, look, there's some other five star guys that's incredibly highly rated, but like Bolden the three player in the class, right? Uh, so number eight player number in the class, eight. yeah, number one safety, number two player out of Georgia, but top ten player in yeah. the class. Whereas all these other guys, Auburn's at like 20, 30, 40, Which again, I'm not belittling oh. that. Don't get me wrong, top that's incredible. Always great. Uh, Thirty out of what a couple thousand is a is a great yeah. great player. Uh, but Bolden even a a small chance above that uh, as a top ten player, and some of these other guys are are grading out as five stars. But maybe there's a couple sites that right. have them as a high four. Right. Nope, all five star every site on three two four seven espnrivals.com for KJ Bolden. He's locked so, into that five. So again, if that's a race that Auburn truly gets spicy in and could somehow pull. Again, Auburn's got some already quality right. DBs committed for 2024, but that would that would absolutely take the cake. Yeah, absolutely would take the cake. I mean, you add him on top of this already, I mean, loaded DB room and then more, you know, even more loaded into, like you said, the next class, Ryan. You add him to the top, add him um, as a safety, and, and, I mean, you're really working with something on that defense. I mean, these defensive recruits are starting to get – get something something real real dangerous and then um auburn just got uh predicted to get a, a four-star defensive lineman um i think the, uh, i think a, a day or so ago as well um and, and so i mean they're they're continuing to build the defense heavily um and and these guys i mean it's just exciting honestly to see that how much how much recruiting is really going on i think we got a little bit deprived um of that 
you know, in the last few years or so. But now uh, it's really starting to pick up and you're really starting to see where, hey, Auburn is something that can be sellable. I think we all understood that. And now Hugh Freeze is really showing that he, that, that Auburn is something and somewhere that players are able um, are going to want to be in the future. Yeah, I, again, I'm trying to think of, of the last time we were this fired up about recruiting. It's way easier to talk about high four or five-star guys than, oh my gosh. than selling a bunch of you know, 18 yeah. three-stars, which, yeah. again, not belittling them either because plenty of three-stars end up not only making a huge pack in college but going on to the NFL. And I feel like every Super Bowl year there's a, like a nice reminder of, hey, like half this team is three-star yep. or lower guys. Like, oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, like Travis Kelsey's Patrick Mahomes of the, of the world. But, uh, you know, I think that clearly we, we do the blue-chip ratio deal – where two four seven spits that out and, and and shows you that you have to be fifty percent or above or no team's ever won the title like below that number. So like it's still a real thing. You can have the outliers. You can have a quality group of guys. Uh, and TCU made a title game as someone that was not above that fifty percent blue chip right. ratio. But ultimately, <laughs> they got their face got pushed ahead. in yeah. <laughs> uh, by Georgia, and yeah. so thus still not having a title for a team below 50%. So it's obviously a big deal. It's why we're covering it, and we will have more thoughts a little bit later on some of these four-star guys that are coming, some of the already Auburn commits, and just more coming up about Big Cat Weekend. But we're going to take our first time out of the show. We'll head to the Auburn Bank phone line right after this. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Talking a little bit about Big Cat Weekend starting. Well, I mean, it is this weekend, but kind of starting today and tomorrow as Auburn looks to build on a uh, already kind of gaining momentum class for 2024. We'll have more thoughts on that a little bit later as well as ACC over under win totals. But let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I, I know that we're uh, counting down to the opening weekend for Auburn, and I think that Auburn is actually going to have a, a really good season this year. I mean, that is the goal. I think that they... Uh, have to temper expectations a bit for year one. I think year two and year three will be way more telling, but uh, definitely more hopeful this year than maybe six months ago. Yeah, because um, I was looking at our schedule and I was just saying, 
um, if we're going to, if we're actually going to go, um, I, I'm probably saying I'm just going to throw a number out. I'm, I'm looking at Auburn actually going like a 12 and 0 record season. I never, I, I've never seen that actually happen, but I, I'm just saying that I would like to see Auburn actually go 12 and 0 this year. Well, I think that's always what we'd hope would happen, and uh, it did happen in 2010. They did go undefeated and then went on to win the national title, but I, I do not think that will be happening this year. I think the, the league is too tough. Auburn's too far behind from a talent uh, acquisition standpoint. They've certainly acquired a lot of it this offseason to try to fill the gap and at least catch up with those other other teams in the, in the West that are not named Alabama or, or LSU, but I, I still think the Auburn's got work to do, and again, uh, Got to have some level of patience, but but yeah, of course we'll we'll hope to see what Auburn can come up with this year. Yeah, that's all because I know we we're just you know starting a new an, uh, a new uh, team this year with some of the new guys that uh, Auburn actually recruited, and I'm just going to see how these new guys are actually going to step up and uh, fill those fill those voids for the older players that left Auburn went to the NFL. But I know when these new guys are stepping into like a wide receiver position, linebacker position, quarterback's position, I know right behind them they're going to have like that dark shadow of that former Auburn player behind them, you know, helping them uh, every step of the way to actually, you know, hey, you're doing it wrong. You're supposed to do it like this. And, you know, they'll they'll have that that uh, that – that shadow behind them as well to help them to actually improve a winning mentality at Auburn as well. Yeah, a lot of growth and development required over the coming years, but I think it's a task that all the coaches and players are are up for and they're and they're ready to compete. Yeah. Hold on. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry about that. All good. All good. It happens. Okay. Yeah, because um, I'm looking at, like, uh, will Auburn actually make it to a national championship? And if we do make it to a national championship game this year, um, who who would that team that Auburn will play? I mean, will it be Florida? Will it be Tennessee? Will it be Texas or Oklahoma just to play in the national championship game? I mean, I, I would like to see Auburn and Texas play in the national championship game as well. I I, I mean, I think that would be a really good uh, matchup between an SEC and a and a big school like Texas Longhorns actually playing uh, an SEC school as well. Yeah, again, uh, I, I think we're a little ways away from Auburn doing that, but uh, again, we can always we can always have the hope and uh, certainly try to get there there in a few years. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at um, some WNBA games uh, later on today. I'm uh, going to see how my Dallas Wings are actually going to, um, you know, how they're going to improve. We're we're not really doing really well. Um, we just lost a couple of games, and um, I'm thinking that we we might lose this one. We might not. I'm pretty sure that we we're we're really struggling as well. You know, from that from that week that we had from the All Star weekend, it, it's really not looking good. We're we're having um, key injuries, and um, I, I just don't see the Dallas Wings actually making it to the WNBA Finals this year. I, I just don't see it. 
I mean, they have to really show some improvement towards me as a Dallas Wings fan. Uh, I just don't see it at all. Yeah, I know it's going to be tough to beat Vegas. I've not been keeping up too closely, but I, I'll take your word for it on the wing struggles. And uh, again, they'll they'll be looking to improve, I'm sure, in the second half too. But I know they, as you said, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I'm like I'm not a very happy person as a Dallas Wings fan. I've, you know, seen them uh, win some games and losing some games, and it's it's really starting to make me feel like. You know, it, it's going to be times where I'm going to just have to say I might as well find another another um, WNBA team to to root for. If Dallas don't improve, then I don't know what else I can do. Well, I mean, you know, some fans you know, decide to, to stick with the team even when they're they're struggling. So I know that uh, it can make it way more rewarding when they figure out their way to success but uh yeah no i i wouldn't advocate for for changing teams but uh you know that's that's obviously up to you yeah because you know it is is really you know sometimes when they win i'm happy and you know pushing pushing the the envelope long and hard and and trying to see how they're gonna you know improve and then a couple of weeks down the line they just start falling apart you know, losing games and filing here and, and, and missing shots. And I can't, I, I just can't see my team actually losing a game like that. So, I mean, losing games on the road and then winning games at home is either you're going to win at home or you're going to win on, the, you're going to lose at home or you're going to win on the road. I mean, it, it, it has to be either win or just, lose all the all the seasons and, and lose all the games to to just not be good. I mean, you know, we, we really they need better players, you know, for next year's draft. I mean there there are some really good players out there from some from some great colleges as well. So you're so unless they win the title you want them to kind of tank and, and get a better draft pick. Yes, as well. Get like somebody from uh you know um, South Carolina um, or something like that, South, or LSU. South Carol- yeah, South Carolina, Connecticut, Florida, Tennessee, Texas A&M, uh, Georgia. You know, somebody that really needs to actually step up and and make this team actually win another uh, WNBA title because I know the Dallas Wings, I know at one point in their career history, I know they won – a WNBA title that was so many, many, many years ago when they were uh, the Dallas Supersonics back in the day as well. So I remember that team when they were, you know, for the WNBA, you know, that was like in 1997 as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, uh, again, I don't, uh, don't have my, uh, WNBA history all, all tight, uh, tightened up these days, but again, I will, uh, take your word for it. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking um, to see, uh, well, on today, I'm actually going to be looking at some uh, things for uh, tomorrow's race and uh, seeing uh, what they're going to be talking about when um, when they're actually going to be talking about on NASCAR uh, race hub today and uh, seeing uh, what they're going to be looking at in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, seeing who's going to actually win before the uh, before the playoffs 
spot actually comes in at the end of the schedule of the NASCAR uh, 2023 schedule as well. Yeah, I'm hoping Chase Elliott can get a win. He's still on the outside of the playoff picture looking in with only five races to the playoffs. I really need Chase Elliott to win. Yeah, so I've, um, I'm thinking um, I do have uh, – I've got to look at my uh, NASCAR fantasy draft list. I'm thinking I might put Chase Elliott in there and seeing if he's going to – you know, and see if he's going to win some points. But I'm just going to, like, slide him in and, um, and, and see what happens and between, between now and tomorrow as well. So I just have to make some changes as well. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, I have confidence that you'll have a – a good lineup at the end of the day. Well, James, we're gonna have left to let you go here in just a minute. But any final thoughts for us today? Um, I don't have any final thoughts for y'all today. But maybe on Monday I might um, probably do some trivia. But I don't know. I'll let y'all know um, what I'll actually come up with on tomorrow, and I'll just send that to y'all tomorrow. Okay, please do uh, do that on Twitter, and uh, we'll get you uh, get you something on Monday. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. I know I said Twitter. It's, uh, it's technically not the thing anymore. It's technically Twitter. X. Just, yeah. I'm just, just not saying that right now. I'm just not doing it. The the app where you... You know how I just never called Staples Center Crypto.com right. Arena? The, just the, not doing it for a while. The app where you post your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> That's not threads. Used to be a bird app. Used to be know. a bird app. The previously known bird app. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to birthdays and sports and more on Big Cat Weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. On the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Again, we'll get back to a little more on Big Cat Weekend. Again, biggest Big Cat Weekend in a while. Uh, I know it started um, several years ago. It was a big deal when um, it started around the Gene Chiswick Chiswick tenure. Oh, uh, it was Chiswick, not Malzahn? uh, Yeah, it was a Chiswick deal around... uh, Oh nine, ten, somewhere there. I mean, it led to some huge yeah. classes because even the twenty ten class in the eleven yeah, was some, some one of named, Auburn's best yeah, ever. Some guy named Trevon Reed. And, <laughs> so, yeah, T. Reed was a, a big part of that, and and uh, and so again, in just recent years, it had just waned uh, a lot, um, just in terms of 
who they the type of, of player they were getting there and the attention around it. It would always kind of be some sort of you know off season something to talk about. But uh, again, it's it's not been this big in in quite some time. So uh, again, we'll have more names to go through here in just a little bit. But before we do, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, birthdays in sports today. We got Bill Bradley, who turns 80, former NBA guard and U.S. Senator. Bradley was born in Missouri, two-time All-American high school, initially committed to Duke in 1961, but enrolled in Princeton, where he averaged over 30 points a game as a freshman. He was three-time All-American, one-time consensus college player of the year, led Princeton to the Final Four in 1964, and holds several Ivy League records to this day. After graduation, went overseas for basketball in 1965, coming back home and singing uh, with the Knicks, or signing with the Knicks, excuse me, in the 1967 season. Played 10 years in the NBA, one-time All-Star, two-time NBA Finals champion, number 24, retired by the Knicks, and member of the College and Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. After his playing career, entered politics and served 18 years as a senator of New Jersey. Sheesh. Yeah, a long list there for Bill Bradley, who turns 80. Dana White turns 55, president of the UFC. White was born in Connecticut, moved to Las Vegas as a child. He discovered boxing at 17, becoming a coach soon after. In Vegas, he opened several boxing and jiu-jitsu gyms, eventually becoming a manager for several pro fighters. In 2001, White was a part of a group that purchased the UFC for $2 million. Today, it is worth, would you like to guess? Bought it for $2 million in 2001. Was it worth today? Probably about, ooh, 10 no, way more. Way more. Way. Got to be a B. Not quite. No? Half a B. $500 okay. million. Dollars. Dana White is 55 today. Manu Ginobili is 47, former shooting guard for the San Antonio Spurs. Ginobili was born in Italy and began playing basketball at a young age. Played professionally in, in Italy beginning in 1995 at the age of 18. By 2002, he'd won several awards and titles in Europe and was drafted 57th overall by the Spurs. Played 16 years in San Antonio, becoming one of the best European players ever during that stretch. Two-time All-NBA selection, two-time All-Star and four-time NBA champion. One of two players in NBA history to win a EuroLeague title, an NBA championship, and an Olympic gold medal. Manu Ginobili is 47 today. Also flopped from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Some people didn't like Manu because of his flopping. I liked. I, I, I never had any dislike for Manu Ginobili. I've always appreciated um, his, his, his style of play and his ability to be flexible, and it helped him win championships. He was an integral part for the Spurs in, in all the championships that they won with with Tim Duncan and Tony Tony Parker. Yeah, no, I, I mean, certainly for sure, uh, he was very vital to them. I just sometimes, you know I, how <laughs> I feel go, about flopping. Yeah, yeah, he would go a little over the top, I agree. And it just, every now and then, I just, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Manny Ginobili turns 47. And then D'Amico Ryan turns 38, former NFL linebacker and head coach for the Houston Texans. Ryan's was born in Bessemer, where he was a three-star linebacker at a high school and committed to Alabama. Ooh. As a senior in 2005, Ryan's was an All-American and SEC Defensive Player of the Year, taken 33rd overall by the Texans in 2006, played nine years in the NFL for Houston and Philly, retired from football in 2016, became a coach a year later, rapidly rose the, above the 49ers organization, and is now 
uh, has been hired as the Houston Texans head coach, where he started his professional career. D'Amico Ryans turns 38 today. I wish him luck in his coaching career. Yeah, got, doesn't have a lot to work with at first. No, but uh, he does have a franchise quarterback. There you go. Bill Bradley, 80. Dana White, 55. Manu Ginobili, 47. D'Amico Ryans, 38. Those are the birthdays in sports for today. And let's get a little bit uh, more on Big Cat Weekend here in our final seven or eight minutes of our number one. We did bring up a little bit uh, earlier uh, some guys that were rated quite highly, kind of the five-star guys for the, the next couple of years of classes, again, including, of course, Demarcus Riddick, who already has flipped to Auburn, K.J. Bolden, who's still not made an initial decision, Perry Thompson, who is currently committed to Alabama, Zaquan Patterson, who I did double-check on, mostly a four-star player. Uh, one service has him a five-star from Hollywood, Florida. And then uh, Ryan Williams, that five-star in 2025 out of Saryland, who committed to Alabama. Again, uh, just to tie up from earlier, uh, his dad did play at Auburn, obviously, Ryan Williams Sr., uh, talked about that a little bit earlier. But uh, I think that when we're looking at these guys, too, I, I mentioned this yesterday, that it's good that it is just a, um, a good flip of – or a good mix of offensive and defensive guys. And you go back to some of the classes Hugh Freeze had at Ole Miss and, of course, famed for – uh, on the field, his work with the offense and these big, bad wide receivers, but uh, they had some big time defensive recruits yeah. too. Uh, and I think that it's obviously going to be very important to look at both sides of the ball because when we're looking at this year's team in particular, we've been very caught up in you know, how is the quarterback play going to be? Are there going to be some these different kind of wide receivers? How will Jarquez Hunter look? Will he be even more productive than Tank Bigsby? This, that, and the other thing is the offensive line fixed. But what we've not talked as much about is there's a really solid chance that the defense is not good either, or at least uh, the defense is not in a good place. The secondary will be really good for Auburn in 2023, but the front seven, a lot of new faces, and just kind of hard to quantify how that's all going to add up because it was not an overwhelmingly great front seven last year right. had its benefits from Derek Hall and Colby Wooden, who were really good pass rushers, in particular Derek Hall, but that was not a very good unit against the rush last year. I'm not sure that they have anyone that's just going to be a monster in there. And then they have kind of replaced Wooden and Hall on the edges with a, with a conglomerate of guys that have various levels of production. So I say all that to say it's very possible this team this year – as an offense, it looks pretty good. And Hugh Freeze is already doing a lot of work and that sort of thing. And Peyton Thorne looks good. These these longer, bigger, wide receivers play well. Hunter has a good year, and the line looks better. I'm not going to say the line's going to look awesome this year. I think there's so much work to do, but it looks better. And yet the team, again, still seven, eight wins because, well, the defense was really just not awesome uh, from, from front to back. So – it is important to be focused on both sides of the ball. And obviously these five-star wide receivers are kind of the stalwart. That, that That's something offensively we're going to look at and say, yeah, this is the proof of Hugh Freeze being here because of all the receivers he 
coached at Ole Miss successfully. But then defensively, I mean, again, there's got to be something there. And it seems like early on, now granted, Riddick is, is the biggest recruit and he's a linebacker, but they have been doing a lot of work with that secondary still, trying to perfect it after, uh, again, presumably going to be the strong point of the Auburn defense this year. Um, but there's other names, again, going down the line. Uh, of course, some of these guys already committed to Auburn. There's another UGA commit, though, and Jalen Howard out of Rockledge, Florida, going to be on campus. There are some of the Auburn guys like Jalen Crawford, uh, Jaden Lewis, Kinsley Faust, and all DBs that are Auburn commits coming uh, this weekend. Um but again, they a couple of these biggest guys. They, they seem to be at the involving the wide involving the passing game, either the wide receivers or the DBs. And so Auburn has been pretty balanced so far. Uh, actually, maybe even a little more defensive minded overall in what they've gotten so far for twenty twenty four. Yeah, I think Auburn really is pushing uh, pushing defense consistently. Uh, you know, some people forget that when. You know, when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss, uh, like you mentioned, Ryan, he landed, I'm pretty sure, the number one player in his class yeah, when Robert was Robert Kandichi, yeah. who I, I saw play actually my freshman year of high school because um, he played at um, he played at Grayson, uh, Grayson High School out, out there in Snellville, Georgia. Um, and so uh, I was able to see him play in the playoffs my freshman year. He was, he was a senior that year, um, and he had committed to Ole Miss, and uh, obviously, Kimdichi, you know, kind of had a, a rocky kind of career there at Ole Miss. Was a talented player. Kind of got into a little bit of trouble. Did end up going to the NFL. Didn't have an amazing career. Kind of flamed out, but still, you know, a high quality player, extremely good player. Um, and so, you know, that just proves that Hugh Freeze can recruit not only just on the offensive side of the ball, but he can recruit at a high level on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, you see it when when Demarcus Riddick flipped from UGA to to Auburn, and now you're seeing you know KJ Bolden getting a lot of a lot of um, momentum that could go his way, uh, could go Auburn's way as well. Uh, so you know he's working on all sides. He's working both sides of the ball um, very equally. I mean that that defense is is definitely he wants to continue to try and, and you know rebuild it, build it up because you know Auburn. Two things that Auburn's been really known for is as kind of a strength has been their defense and uh, a strong run game. And so now you know the running back room is is set. The running back room seems to not have any drop off. Always will have that talent seem to continue to flow in as long as Cadillac is the one that's recruiting. On the defensive side of the ball, obviously there's been some changes. New def new defensive coordinator, um, but you know the rooms have mostly stayed the same. Uh, Want to work on the linebackers a little bit. Got got three star D'Angelo um, Barber, who who's out of Pinson Valley. He got him to uh, commit, and then you know like we said, Riddick, who's also a linebacker. So you're working on all parts of the defense, uh, and, and as you continue to build it, it's it's definitely exciting. You're ready to see what uh, what these guys will be able to bring to the field then there's a couple other guys uh vanced out i know we just got a minute or two before the hour ends uh and the 2026 and 2027 keenan Britt, that is the brother of, of kj, KJ. Britt. okay uh, out of oxford another linebacker hezekiah harris out of anniston alabama in 2027 a kid that <laughs> we're gonna be talking of, about in this yeah. state for a long oh, time yeah. is trent seaborn uh the incoming freshman <sighs> of thompson high that Led them at quarterback last year as an eighth grader. Yeah, already has an offer from Auburn. Um, I'm no, I'm actually am I getting that wrong? Is he still an eighth grader? No, he'll 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 he be will be a freshman. Yeah, he'll be a freshman this year. Okay. This year. 
Um, he was he was at a camp um, at Auburn at some point during the summer. Got a got an offer from Auburn, so he's already got that waiting for him. So they're they're I guess they they see him. Uh, I mean, obviously he's a very very talented quarterback. So uh, people see him as somebody who could be a, a very very great talent in the future. He's not ranked right now, obviously, because he's just a freshman. But once he hits that junior year, he'll probably end up being a five star if he continues to play as well as he's playing. Um, so yeah, they're, I think Auburn's just trying to stay on top of them. Yeah, absolutely. And again, with, uh, Keenan Britt, KJ's younger brother, just so far, three offers, 2026, you know, you, you start to go certain ways out. They, they stop ranking as many players. They'll rank like a top hundred, yeah, top 200, that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Britt is not ranked right now. He does have three scholarship offers, uh, Auburn included UCF, which makes okay. sense obviously yep. with Gus and then Arkansas, uh, has also offered him ah. as well. So uh, we'll see what that offer she ends up looking like. But, again, uh, Keenan Britt, one of the 2026 guys, Hezekiah Harris, and then Trent Seaborn from 2027 also on the planes this weekend for Big Cat Weekend on top of the plethora of 2024 and 25 Guys, we are out of time for hour number one as we continue with the show today. Again, a, a little bit later, the 2023 ACC win totals over-unders, and then also a little bit more on college football expansion Colorado headed back to the Big 12 a little bit more on that next you're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Uh, sometimes you have the, the one in four, one in five chance of rain, and, and sometimes you're the one. And uh, it uh, had opened up a bucket at the station nearing that last time out. Yeah, all right. Uh, with the sunshine out. Random. So. Uh, nice. That that's just the worst of both worlds when it's absolutely pouring and it's still sunny. So you keep the temps up a little bit and uh, not ideal. But I uh, don't like it. 
but it happens from time to time this time of year. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line this afternoon. We go back to that Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? Hey, it's Friday. What else can, can, can I say uh, that uh, wouldn't be good about Friday, right? Fun Friday, absolutely. Love Fridays. All right. So it's uh, you, um, is it Cam? Yep. yep. And who else? That's, That's it. it. Okay, the dynamic duo then. Absolutely. Okay, so guys, I really, and I'm not being sarcastic or facetious here, but this one just uh, doesn't make any, any any darn sense to me. And it's, it came from, uh, I was uh, on the Internet a few minutes ago, and this one pops up. Uh, to my attention, and it's college football news. You know this. You know that that uh, website, right? College CFN. football. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, anyway, they they you know they give predictions throughout the season. Let's see if they're pretty reliable. So I'm looking at the title that caught me. I said the schedule rankings are the easiest to the hardest in college football. I said, okay. Well, guess who they had is number one thirty three because it goes from the bottom to the top. Who is the worst? According to CFN. So, like the toughest, toughest schedule, no, the, 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 the easiest, easiest, probably UGA. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I would say someone in like the the ACC or something, a Syracuse, Boston College. I don't know. Well, can I give you a little clue here? Maybe sure. they have a connection to Auburn. I uh, you someone that plays Auburn like UMass or something. I don't. Uh, you're getting. It kind of cold. I'll give it to you. Number one thirty-three because this is the easiest schedule to the hardest now uh-huh. is Liberty. Liberty, okay, sure. Okay, all right. So then I decided to look at okay, uh, where to have Auburn because you know ESPN's computer had Auburn has being ranked the fifth toughest schedule in the country, right? Uh, y- yes. Yeah, that's what that's what I remember discussing. That's why I saw guys. Okay, so we can draw Auburn in the top ten. Nowhere to be found. I said, well, where'd they put them? I keep searching and searching and searching. Where do you think they had Auburn in the ter- in terms of toughest schedule in the country? Uh, I mean, if you kept scrolling somewhere like the 20s or 30s, something like that? No, no. That's what I thought. So let me keep, keep digging here. The number that they have Auburn in terms of rank of toughest schedule is 50. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if I'd agree so with that. Please yeah. make sense of me, guys. How in the world do they rank Auburn as having the 50th toughest schedule, and yet ESPN's computer ranks as the top uh, top five? Well, again, I, you can't trust every every site yeah, there. And, and look, I w- some of this is opinion. I don't yeah, know if yeah, it's I mean, through data or if just Yeah, opinion. I don't know what their criteria are or their yeah. metrics, but good Lord, yeah. 50th? Yeah, no, it's 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 clearly not fiftieth. I mean, I, I it's it's somewhere around the top ten or fifteen. It's not it's not fifty. I mean, I know that Auburn has a weak non conference schedule, and that certainly prevents them from having like the toughest or one of the, the two or three toughest or that sort of thing. But you obviously have Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Uh, that that's going to be incredibly tough. Ole Miss going to be a top twenty five team. Well, you know, some people still really like A and M. Uh, so again, I, I can see how it's not like top three or four or anything like that, but I, I certainly think it's a top fifteen or so toughest schedule. And uh, yeah, fifty is just that's uh, just not right. Okay, just for your entertainment, here's who their top ten are of toughest schedules. Sure. Number ten, Texas comes in at number ten. Okay. Yeah. Number nine, 
Florida. Now, according to ESPN's computer, they were number three. Right. Florida's is incredibly yeah, tough. Florida, I Florida's got a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Number eight, Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Utah. Right. I know and that, this was a shocker. Yeah. Number six. Go for Shall it. Shall I say it? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I'm not going to know it otherwise unless you do say it. <laughs> I couldn't believe this one. Alabama. All right. Okay. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, they're still in the SEC. I mean, I, again, I wouldn't put – if you're if one's 44 spots ahead of another, I mean, that's why it's shocking. But, I mean, they, they do have a, a huge non-conference game against Texas. and uh, But, yeah, they, they don't play Georgia. They don't play themselves, obviously. So, I mean, again – it, it is still a tough schedule, absolutely. I wouldn't put it six in the country. Yeah, because ESPN didn't even have the top ten. Right. Right. Okay, number five, West Virginia. Sure, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know the whole schedule, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't think it would be that high. Well, it says their hardest game, they say, is Penn State. Yeah, yeah that's, no. That's, no. Not, not a, that's not a prereq to have one of the toughest schedules in the country. All right, number four, Stanford. Yeah, I know the Pac-12 is going to be better this year. I don't. I think they've got Notre Dame in the non-conference. So I mean, again, I could I could see how it be a tougher one. I think it'd be number four, right? Tough schedule. Okay, moving on. Number three, Iowa State. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, some of these I don't know. I don't know of any Big Twelve team unless they've got multiple big non-conference games well, uh, has here, enough their juice there. Game is Kansas State. Yeah, no, I nah, wouldn't. Nah. I, I just would not think that would be one of the more difficult ones. Okay, moving on. Number two, do you have a clue? That rhymes. <laughs> right. I, this this list is not correct, so I, I really don't know what they, they, what they would put up there. Uh, what team announced that they are leaving the big the Pac-12? Oh, Colorado. Colorado, huh? Colorado is number two. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, finally, the number one, the team – with the toughest schedule, according to them, Purdue. Boiler up, I guess. Yeah. Again, I some of these still are tough. I just don't know if they're they're as tough as they're making them out to be. And and um, yeah. Again, I I I don't think that that list was was put together very well. Well, I I was just floored when I saw Auburn right number fifty. Fifty? Are you serious? Uh, we're usually a top ten toughest schedule every year, almost. Right. All right. Moving on, guys. Uh, this coming weekend, in fact, that's tomorrow, this Big Cat weekend, and according to Jason Caldwell, he's expecting at least two, uh, maybe three commitments. You guys hearing anything? Yeah, no, I think the, the buzz around Perry Thompson in particular is very positive. Yep. Again, that's the five-star committed to Alabama right now. Uh, you know, there there is the other five star Ryan Williams uh, that's also committed to Bama for 2025. Again, the the son of Ryan Williams Sr. who played at Auburn, but I, I don't I don't know if I don't know the timeline on that one because that's 2025. So even if he did commit, there's so <laughs> I would, yeah. so many so much time between now and then. But I definitely think Perry Thompson's getting a lot of a lot of buzz. Uh, KJ Bolden's been getting buzzed, but again, that yeah, would what about Bolden? that would surprise me. I, I'll just be honest. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I, I I did not think of Auburn as the player in that. I think right. they were a player, but not the player. But uh, again, it, there's a lot of momentum. DeAndre Carter, maybe I, I've heard I some about him too. Yeah, I've heard some some good stuff about him. So again, I think we're all circling some of the similar names, and we'll see what Auburn actually pulls out of it. Yeah, uh, it's just sad to think that. Dude Harson's 
uh, you know, time here, he had none of these kind of players. Right. I mean, again, there, we we could do this for years, uh, and we can give you example after example uh, how True. little he he tried on that and how little he understood that. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on, guys. Uh, what has happened to our Braves? <laughs> yeah, I mean, going through a rough patch right yeah. now, uh, for sure. It's uh, again, it, again, I'm not panicking at all. They still have a 10 or 11 game lead in the NL East. So every every Phillies and Marlins have been right there with them the, the last couple of weeks struggling. And Boston Red Sox, I mean, they're not that uh, uh, difficult a team, and yet they've lost two out of three to them, right? Well, Red Sox have uh, a record that would be good enough to to lead a division in yep. Major League Baseball. They're they're not a they're certainly not a bad team. They're just playing in the wrong division right now. So it's it's two games. I mean, it, it absolutely can happen. Okay, all right. Um, Boston is fifty five and forty seven on the year again. That oh yeah. that's the same record as the Phillies for reference, who are ten back behind the Braves. So I mean, that's Still a team that's going to win about 88, 90 games this year. All right. And then I've been reading on 247 that apparently we might be looking at probably trying to get some transfers from Northwestern. Have you heard about that? Oh, I have, I not, have not. I've not seen that, no. Well, uh, I guess you may or may not know because I was reading this a few days ago that apparently uh, not only is Fitzpatrick, is that his name, the former coach Fitzgerald. of Northwestern? Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, yeah. He's suing Northwestern now. Uh, his attorneys are, and then the players are suing uh, also Northwestern as well. Well, that's nice. That's a lot of litigation on right. the horizon so if all that I holds. I guess the attorneys will win in this one. Yeah, I think the attorneys are going to get a good paychecks at the end of the day. Uh, just, just, uh, <laughs> I've been watching Suits commentary. lately, so that, that yeah. I actually understand a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Remind me real quickly, guys, uh, when the college football uh, season uh, kicks off, we will uh, – it used to be the if you call a fair catch, you get it automatically at the uh, 25-yard line. Is that right? Uh, in the end zone, yeah. uh, it comes out yeah. to 25, yeah. And okay. uh, well, fair well, catch well, on kickoff, I think you can do that too. Yeah. yeah, 25. Yeah, so that hasn't changed, right? No, that, that's no. not changed. Okay, but the clock will continue running. Is that right? Uh, even if they go out of bounds, it stops. No, not on that first play, not on that kickoff play. Uh, the, if you get a first down, the, the the rule change is if you get a first down, the clock will continue to run. Right, if, well, you, if you go out of bounds. Right, but remember, the, the, between the kickoff and the first play of the possession, that clock has always stopped and it will continue to be stopped. Okay, but if a receiver goes out of bounds in the NFL, the clock just keeps going. Right, in college what will happen, continue to happen, is – it will stop momentarily until the ball is ready for play. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm just wondering, what happens if the receiver goes out of bounds and it ends up being a first down? Because they said uh, there will be no stoppage of the clock. Well, it's the same thing as I just said. There there will be a brief stoppage to set the ball once the ball is blown ready for play. So, again, we're talking about a 5- to 10-second stoppage. Not not very long, just enough for them to throw it back out to the hash mark and, and, uh, and set it. Okay, refresh my memory, guys, because it's been a while. Uh, I don't know if they gave up on it or not. But you remember the Saban rule? Remember when he didn't like it that uh, there was uh, one second? So the SEC had ruled that uh, if there's less than three seconds left in the uh, second quarter or in the fourth quarter, uh-huh. then the, the, the game is, is ended. Uh, did I recall? Because I don't remember that happening. It's that you it, can't spike it 
at that point. You, you can still snap it. something under three seconds. You can't spike it with two seconds or one second. Okay, so that's that's still in in, uh, in effect then. To my knowledge, yes, that was nothing was changed in regards to that. Okay, and well, do you remember the explanation given why they decided to do that? Uh, I don't know if I ever heard a, a great explanation for it. I, I I don't see really why you couldn't. It's still a snap of the football. Uh, as long as you're doing it legally, I don't see why there would, would have been an issue. You know, I mean, like if you've got motion, then that would be one thing. But uh, I, I just think that, again, it, it – it doesn't affect too many situations, but I, again, I don't see why you couldn't. Uh, if any, why a certain type of snap there wouldn't be allowed. Okay, all right, and uh, you know, uh, Mr. Riddick, uh, I didn't know this already yesterday. Uh, you know, he was given. They said the, I guess the, the the, the treatment that they said on two four seven four that no other recruit had gotten. He rode with Nick Saban in the Mercedes uh, to the A Day game. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I saw that. Did y'all know that? I did uh, see did that see video that, yeah. on Twitter. Uh, so I just wonder, you know, how does that sit with uh, Mr. Saban now uh, doing that uh, and uh, having really good not commit to him? Yeah, again, the, you'd be surprised what all these schools do. It really is trying a red pull, carpet yeah, rollout to pull uh, out all for, the stops, man. for all these guys. Yeah, I mean, all, all kinds of things go on. All right. One, one more thing, question, because uh, I had a uh, – Buddy of mine, who's a uh, unfortunate Alabama fan, we talked about you know how certain things happened, how some coaches came to Auburn and didn't. And I told him we could have had Kirby Smart, except for our AD telling Kirby Smart that he could not coach in the championship game because he was still with Alabama. And Kirby Smart said, "No, can't do that." Did I? Just make that up in my mind. I dream that up, or because I thought I read that. I, I believe I thought the issue was there was not going to be guaranteed full autonomy of Kirby Smart's yeah. staff. Uh, I thought that was the hold up there. I'm not as I, I, I'm not saying that was wrong. I, I don't recall that. I recall the issue, the main issue being that Smart was not guaranteed full control of his staff. Okay, for some reason I thought I read somewhere that uh, they told Kirby Smart, you know, uh, it was a done deal as long as he, he uh, would not be coaching in the championship game uh, with, uh, with Alabama. I, I, again, okay. I, I don't recall that. It would be a little surprising yeah, if, if Auburn would have said that. Ask. But, but uh, you know, also, it just would have, <laughs> it's also just fundamentally would have been a weird dynamic yeah, that the future Auburn coach is coaching for Alabama in a in championship game is D.C. But, again, I, the, the, the main holdup I'm familiar with is the, is the, the concern over staff control. I got you. Okay, that's all I got, guys. Um, hope you guys have a relaxing and a uh, stress-free uh, weekend. And it's raining there. Is that right? Say that again, Steve. It's raining there. Uh, it was. Yeah, it is now. It's now kind of stopped. But yeah, it poured for about fifteen minutes. Okay. Now we're getting close, obviously, to kickoff season. So I'd love to hear from our longtime uh, listeners and callers who I haven't heard from a long time, and that is. Uh, Luke, haven't heard from him. Uh, Keith, haven't heard from Keith lately. Uh, Anthony, uh, where are you guys? <laughs> they, some of them have called in sporadically. Again, it is all season, yeah. but, but uh, yeah, I'm we, sure they'll all be Jeff, calling here a lot heard from soon. Jeff in a while. Where happened to Jeff? Jeff calls a lot. He's called a lot throughout the summer. He's called multiple times okay. a week, usually. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready for some uh, trash talking. 
Uh, I'm sure they'll give it to you. I'm sure. Okay. I'm ready for them. I'm a, I'm a big boy. Hi, right, guys. <laughs> Y'all have a safe af- afternoon and uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate your phone call. Have a great weekend. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first time out here of our number two. When we come back, we'll get a little bit more on the Colorado move back to the Big 12, how the Big 12 and Pac-12 have been managing these situations and what is yet to come. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday, about halfway home on this Friday afternoon. Can't Cam's believe got, it's already been an hour and a half. Yeah, when I know you've got about a similar length drive this evening, so yeah. trying to have symmetry and to the that hand. sort of thing. Uh, again, big weekend for Auburn with Big Cat Weekend tomorrow. Uh, 30, 40, 50 players uh, in attendance between the 2024, 2025 classes, then a couple additional players from 26 and 27. So uh, another big class. Again, we've already spent some time on that, spent a little bit more time a little bit later. And, of course, if you missed any of that, check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. I want to have a few more thoughts on the ever-changing college football landscape, and that is going on uh, predominantly the last couple of days. Wednesday the news broke that Colorado was – in deep talks, like 98% certain going to the Big 12 yesterday. In a matter of 24 hours, the Board of Regents met, Big 12 met, and that became official. Colorado going back to the Big 12 where they were until 2010 when they departed for the Pac-12 and when Nebraska departed for the Big 10. This is not over yet. The Big 12 is not going to want to sit at 13 teams. They're going to want an odd number. Our numbers are ugly. Well, that's certainly how conferences feel. 13 is certainly less ugly than 9, though, if True. you're the uh, Big 12 versus the Pac-12. What did you think when you saw this, Cam? And logically, what's the next step? What's the next ad for the Big 12? So I was not surprised at all by this. Um, just, I mean, we already we, we knew that this was going to be a possibility. We knew that the Pac-12 was going was gonna to continue to bleed maybe one or two teams. Um, 
And so, obviously, you know, Colorado did pick up some steam in the last, what, like month or so, honestly, uh, where this came up, where they were thinking about returning to the Big 12. So um, here they are, you know, just the uncertainty with the Pac-12, I guess the, the lack of leadership, the negligence to create a strong, you know, bond with these teams is now really beginning to um, come back to haunt them. And it's it's really showing. I mean, you got you know obviously um, USC and and um, UCLA leaving for the Big Ten. Now you got um, Colorado leaving for the Big Twelve. I'm not sure what school I really expect to join them. I did read somewhere on Twitter where somebody was like, the Pac-12 will lose one more team, and it's going to be a team that nobody expects. So I wonder. You know, I, I'm not really sure in terms of what team to expect uh, to leave the Pac-12. Um, to go, I guess, join the Big 12 where where that would come from. But uh, I don't know. It, it's definitely definitely interesting. I think the Big 12 just wanted some more certainty. Uh, excuse me. I think Colorado wanted some more certainty, and I think the Big 12 really was able to provide that um, with the way that they realigned their conference um, in, in adding uh, some teams as well as, as you know, uh, Texas and Oklahoma ended up leaving and going, obviously, to the SEC or coming to the SEC in 2024. They added some more schools. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it'll be something to watch. I don't know. Again, like I said, I don't know what team I'm expecting, honestly, uh, because I, I just don't think Oregon's going to do it. I don't think Washington's going to leave, you know. Uh, not for the Big 12. Yeah, not for think. the Big 12. So I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe – maybe Arizona State? I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking of maybe ge- – I'm thinking geography-wise just right here, or right now. Maybe Arizona, maybe Arizona State. Arizona's the one I've heard yeah, uh, maybe. a decent amount. Yeah. The Big 12 has, again, expressed a desire, although football obviously is the driving force of the money. Basketball still makes some money too. And the Big 12 has expressed a desire to continue to be excellent at basketball. Yeah, that's and what I was going to say. But Arizona mm-hmm. and basketball, that would be my connection, not right, football. Right, And, look, I, I I don't know the the ins and outs of all the history of a couple of those Arizona teams and all the Washington teams and that sort of thing, Oregon teams other than Oregon, obviously, with, with by what mark is, is one better than the other. I can only tell you about – last 20 or 30 years in a lot of those cases. But I will tell you that I don't think there's a night and day difference in a lot of those for football With you know, with if you're looking at Arizona versus Arizona State. But what I could tell you is there is a night and day difference with the basketball. Agreed. In, in those programs, and Arizona is still a top 10, 10 or so program. program in basketball, yeah. uh, whereas I don't know if the difference in 30 and 38 in football or 35 and 50 is is that palpable of a difference, that, that big of a deal. And so I think that Arizona, to me, makes a lot of sense. If you're the Big 12, you obviously call Oregon first. You call Washington. Uh, re- reading Heather Dinich today, uh, of course, has been an ESPN reporter, particularly on the college football playoff. Uh, she has it on uh, her sources tell her within the Big 12 that they really prefer the number 14, yep. not 16, but that Rick McMurphy was talking yesterday about thir- uh, 14 or 16, adding one or three more. I think the three more is like the <sighs> the, lot. the daydream of, oh, uh, we can't actually convince Oregon and Washington to come right. on over. Right. And then, therefore, then we add our Arizona for basketball, and boom, we just took the best two remaining football programs. And we just took the best basketball program, right. and we add to Colorado, who had been – 
uh, in this conference for a long time. So I think that would be the only way the Big 12 would really want to go to three more. Um, That's not, a lot. 16 right, a 16's lot. Sixteen's a lot, uh, but we're about to be familiar with it in the SEC. So, again, it's yeah. not like it's a unheard-of number. It is the increasing increasing and, and ever-changing bullseye of what's normal in college football, what's the normal size and that That's sort of true. thing. It used to be 10 was like 10 a was completely a yeah. normal team. <laughs> right, Our right. conference, excuse me, and 12 was like a little – little bit bigger and again we've pack 12 used to be the pack eight <laughs> right i mean all these big eight uh, you know 10. before big 12 and all yeah. that i mean again all of it has changed and so i think that when you're looking at the big 12's goals the only way they're doing threes if they had oregon washington if it's just one i don't think oregon washington are going to separate i think they're I, even though there's no natural rivalry there that sort of thing they're the biggest two programs remaining and I just think they're kind of a package deal, yeah. splitting them up because they are so far northwest. I just feel like they're kind of going together wherever no, yeah, they go. I, I think so too. Because also, just throwing this out there, while I was watching quarterback, um, you know, Marcus Mariota, you know, used to play for Oregon. Obviously, when they went up there, um, the the Falcons were on a West Coast trip, and the Falcons they practiced at the Huskies facility up there in Washington, and he was just like. Ew, this this purple is disgusting. <laughs> dude, 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 it's gross. Uh-huh. He's like, I can't stand it. So there's there is a little bit of of you know hatred there and, and rivalry towards, sure. towards each other. They they can be a package deal. Sure. Uh, and the the biggest question for the Pac-12 is can they hold on to them at this point? And Klavikov is just the the Pac-12 commissioner. He just he's gone about the approach wrong. There is reporting today about some of these group of five schools that have reached out. So I I, I think the Pac-12 will still be a conference. I don't think we have to worry about going right. full whack if you're the Pac-12 because it's – I suggested the other day falsely that there would be a chance that the other teams would just say, nah, I don't want to be in this conference. I'd oh. rather <laughs> rather go to the Mountain West. And I, and I – I think that would be my humorous right, idea, right. but I really just don't think that's nah, practical. I don't think so either. Uh, so what will still end up happening is once the dust settles with the teams that are going to leave once they leave, then there'll still be a few leftovers. Yeah. Uh, and there'll be four or five, six programs still from the Pac-12 still out there. And then you'll have San Diego State, maybe Boise, SMU, Fresno State, teams like that will then become the Pac- in the Pac-12. Maybe something weird like Memphis even – uh, I saw re- reached out to them just trying to right. to elevate themselves in theory. The problem is this. If you really do end up losing Oregon and Washington, even if you continue to have a conference, you lose Oregon Washington, I'll call it Arizona to the Big 12. No more You have the houses. six. So you have Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, Utah, and Arizona State. That's the six you're left with. And then you add, you know, San Diego State, Boise, SMU, Memphis, Fresno, give me one more, whatever, to get back to 12. That conference is still better than the Mountain West because you're taking the Mountain West best. It's still better than the AAC now right. that UCF and Cincinnati have moved on, but, Houston. But, it ain't better but that than conference is five. not a power conference. Yeah. It's not, it's not it's, better than it's power a, five. It's a clear four uh, of Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, and SEC. That Big 12 at that point would still be clearly above the Pac-12. It would not be particularly close. Um, And I I think that we would have to term it differently. And what that would lead to, and I forget 
if it's I forget what Bill Hancock said we had on last week, twenty thirty three or twenty thirty one or thirty two or I don't mm. know. One of the early twenty thirties is when the contract will expire for the for the future rendition. Yeah, yeah. It's twenty twenty four through early twenty thirties. At that point, if this is what happens to Pac-12, and assuming there's no other big developments, which is a lot to assume, to be fair, in an 8- to 10-year stretch of college athletics at this point, uh, but if there were no further huge developments, then what the SEC and, and, and Big Ten and, and these conferences would say is we don't need six automatic bids anymore. Right. We, what, why, would we, why would we have six? We only need four, four. or five. Yep. Um, and so that would be something to consider. Again, that is – Way down, Way down line. the line. <laughs> and even the SEC Big Ten to the point made it just say, oh, actually, we don't need any automatic bids. Right. I'd rather you just not have any guaranteed spots. Trust me, we'll be okay. Uh, everyone else Absolutely. might not be, but we don't need them. Absolutely. Uh, so that is, again, that's like a decade down the line. That's Don't need to deep dive into that. We do enough looking into the future two years from now. Uh, but that is going to be something where I, I just don't know if the Pac-12 can argue that they would be a power conference at that point if they lose Oregon and Washington again due to the vast mismanagement. It is interesting. We've uh, we've mocked CW as a possibility. Yeah. I would still mock it. CW is clearly making a sports play though. They are Bet- between Live, between a little bit of Raycom. I don't know if you noticed they took the AAA of NASCAR today. They took oh, na- really an exclusive deal with the next NASCAR Xfinity series. Wow. Every race on on that that again to raise that for, viewership for those that don't know that is very odd to everyone because that's never how the Xfinity series is operated. It's right. always been in concert with the main series, with the Cup Series. It's been first half of the year, it's on a Fox network like the Cup Series, and then the second half of the year on an NBC network such as NBC, USA, etc. NBC Sports Network before it became USA, or excuse me, before it transitioned into going over to USA after NBC network exploded, Sports Network exploded. So it has been, it is that's very new for NASCAR to, to to kind of divvy up rights that way. So anyway, CW is starting to pay real money uh, for these things. Again, I would, uh, if the Pac-12 is there as a primary option, I still just think that is laughable compared to what it should have been. But I don't know, man. Any other thoughts on where the Pac-12 is headed and the mismanagement of Klyvikov versus – uh, your Mac and uh, uh, Bowlesby was the commissioner in 2021 when Texas and Oklahoma uh, announced they were departing. The, just the leadership in that. That's yeah. what we were talking about yesterday. The leadership is just so clearly different, and it's clear the results of what happens when you have good leadership versus bad leadership. Yeah, I agree. The, the leadership quality you know, is showing. The, the results are showing with the leadership quality, the lack thereof in these different conferences. I do think that – like you said, you know, even if you add these teams, if you're the Pac-12, get back to 12 after you lose these programs, say you do lose, you know, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, then, I mean, it really just becomes a power four. It's not power five anymore. It's power four. Um, and then you just have ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC. So it just kind of, I think that's just kind of how the cookies would crumble. It would just fall out that way. And, and the, the power, you know, and then the Pac-12 would just become, I guess, I guess technically a group of five conference at that point. Maybe like a, a – Well, it would be mi- more than five conference. It would be a group of six. True, a group of six. I, I don't know. We're intermediate – The fantastic four. The, the intermediate conference. I don't know, The man. struggling six. Right. <laughs> I the don't suspicious know, six. Right, I don't know. Exactly. It's just – I don't know. It, it, would be, it would be interesting to kind of figure out how that would fall – 
Um, I think it would kind of be more of something like that, though, where it'd be a power four, those top four conferences, and then the other group of six um, that, that obviously are not the higher, the stronger conferences. I think that's kind of where it would, would fall out at that point. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really my thoughts on it. I just That's really all you can expect and see. I mean, you obviously have to wait and see how things would play out. But, you know, if, there, if, if any conference is able to get Oregon and Washington and, you know, Arizona to leave the Pac-12, then, I mean, I still think the Pac-12 would be in trouble. But, you know, they, they, they'd still be in trouble. <laughs> so I do have one more uh, expansion thought, but it does not actually involve Big 12 and Pac-12. Also, want to think just for a moment about the ACC because we've also heard that Florida State is relatively speaking restless. Interesting. Uh, they remember the ACC, they were kind of pushing the league towards that model of having a little bit of a different pay dif- or a pay difference for right. those that won versus those that did not. And it's not significant, but it's like 10% difference, 15% difference for the top versus the bottom. Right. And Florida State wanted to be a part of that because they feel, well, we're going to be we're towards the top, top so yeah. we want a few extra million. Fair, but also, you know, how does Georgia Tech feel and yeah. other schools, or do they even have a right to feel? I don't know. Uh, pulling their weight in the conference. But the ACC has to, you know, love what's going on with the Pac-12. Also, they need to remember that the lessons of what got the Pac-12 in, the prob- uh, in trouble in the first place and not be complacent. And there is talk about what the ACC needs to do. They are at 14 members. That should, in theory, have been a good number. Again, if, if the SEC is going to have 16, if the Big 12 somehow ends up with 16, if the Big right. 10 ends up with 16, adding Oregon and Washington, you know, then, then you start <sighs> to get in a different space wow. here. They clearly need to try with all their might. And, look, maybe they just can't because Notre Dame has been impossible to work with. Annoying. But they need to be trying to get Notre Dame in as a permanent they member. Should. They're in all the other conferences, or excuse me, in all the other sports in that conference. Makes no sense. They have a, a, an agreement where Notre Dame plays four, five, six ACC teams a year already. It's led to a lot of <laughs> led yeah. to a lot of Clemson games. Like they they are halfway into. They're this halfway. Conference. Their foot is literally. I would say their foot is three fourths of the way in yeah. the door. They might as well just. Go ahead and commit. I just it just doesn't make sense if you're. It, I mean, I understand. I know you explained to me that that gives them the ability to kind of schedule however they right. want, and they get their own TV deal right. and all that stuff. I get those it, are real things. That, yeah, day, yeah, yeah, of the, a great importance to for them. sure. I, I I see clearly it is <laughs> yeah. because they're again three fourths of the way in their door in the door as an ACC member, and they're they're that's right. it. They're drawing the line at football. Everything else can be a part of the ACC, but. Football can be, has to be its own entity. I, I just, you know, it, I guess it just is what it is. But you're still going to get plenty of money from the TV rights deal, right? And, yeah, and, and it's maybe recently signed, so it's not yeah, like it's coming it's, up it, for a long time. So, All these deals seem to be starting the next year or two. And and then, you know, the scheduling thing, you're already half of your schedule is ACC schools. So, again, I just am sitting here like you're, you're playing half your games against ACC schools Okay, cool. You don't, you know, that's unfortunate. You don't get to play like the USC's and play those kind of historic matchups, but you can schedule that as a non conference game if you want to. If it's that big of a deal to you, you can schedule Navy, you can schedule USC. You you make, I mean, make it a tough non con schedule. That's fine. You can do that. That's your right. But you're already halfway in the door as an ACC school. You might as well just fully commit, in my opinion. Yeah. Again, they, I, I would prefer Notre Dame just to go ahead and join the conference, although. 
uh, again, so here's their non-conference stuff. They do have a couple that are just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but uh, they play Navy. They've always tried to play Navy. Tennessee State's a whatever. Uh, they, uh, well, I guess uh, did I say non-conference games? They're all non-conference games. Yeah, I should say non-ACC games. Right. Central Michigan. Who cares? Ohio State's a huge one. Okay. Uh, For they've sure. got USC. They always play yeah. USC. That's something they want to keep. Keep it. Uh, they have Stanford, uh, who they've always played, and that, that's it. Actually, I'm looking at Wake Forest, Clemson, Pittsburgh, Louisville, Duke. NC State, so it's half and half. It's a half and half. Come on, man. And of the half that is dedicated to just non-ACC teams, you include Tennessee State and Central Michigan in there, then, you know, it's – I don't know. They could play uh, – they could get over it. They can the get but, over it. But they it, can it, get on, over it. That's all I'm saying. But it is on the money side of things, too. We, Whether we like it or not, that, that yeah. relationship no, with NBC is a – a big, big part time. of it. They're yeah. asking for three times more, by the way, than what their current TV Goodness deal is with gracious. NBC. So asking for a lot. Want to take one final time out in this hour, give you a quick preview of the over-unders for the ACC win totals in 2023 on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan and Cam with you here on this Friday afternoon. Just three or four more minutes left here in the second hour of the show. Going to go ahead and start to get a little bit into these ACC win totals over and unders uh, for the year. I'm going to read off 15 because I'm going to include Notre Dame in this. This is the last of our over-unders. <laughs> Uh, we, which was funny. We just talked about Notre Dame yeah. joining the league. I am acting as if they are in the league. Well, they play half the league. So, so. Um, again, putting their over-under in here as well. So, I'm going to go ahead and read them out. We'll maybe touch on one here before the before the break, and we'll run out of time. Clemson at 9.5, Florida State at 9.5. So, again, uh, I think I said uh, yesterday there had only been one conference uh, with no teams at 10. I re-looked at that. It's actually three of the five ended up with, with uh, no teams oh, really? at 10.5 okay. or better. Uh, ACC, again, one of those. Only the Big Ten and SEC had teams that were projected with a 10.5 win total or better. Got so it. Clemson and Florida State up. at 9.5. Notre Dame and North Carolina at 8.5. Louisville and Miami at 7.5. whole lot of teams at 6.5. This is kind of like the SEC. Pittsburgh, NC State, Duke, Syracuse, Wake Forest all at 6.5. Boston College at 5.5. Georgia Tech at four and a half, and it might be a very rough year in the state of Virginia for football. Virginia and Virginia Tech uh, in a uh, slapping uh, match mm. at three and a half. 
So, Cam, uh, in just a couple minutes here before the end of the hour, give me one that you uh, are, are passionate about, either for the over or the under, whichever you want to take right here. Uh, I've got, actually, got – Hmm, that's a tough one. Actually, I've got I've got Florida State at nine and at over nine and a half wins. Okay, um, I, I think that they finally seem you know seem to have built something there. Mike Nor uh, Mike Norvell, head coach, yeah, um, there uh, has finally kind of caught some traction there. Florida State, uh, their biggest struggle seemed to have been the quarterback. Now they have that in Jordan Travis. Um, who, who's extremely talented. He just burst onto the scene last year. And they also have some wide receiver. Can't remember the name for the life of me that is also really, really good. Johnny Wilson? Yes, that exactly who it is. I And he's a sophomore this year. He was a freshman last year, if I if I remember correctly. Um, and he's, he's, he's pretty dang good. So uh, they, they finally have some things on offense. So we'll see what they can build off of. They um, I, I'm looking, trying to see how many wins they had last year. They were 10 and 3 last so year. So, the 10 yep. and 3 last year. So, yeah, I mean, if they can just. With a bowl, yeah. so they would have been 9 and 3 in the so, regular year. So, yeah, so 9 and 3. So, I, I think they can get to, to you know, yeah, I think they can get to you 10 feel wins good about in the 10 regular season. I think, I think 10 and 2 is solid. And then, you know, if they can, I, th- I think if they can, I don't, I don't see them making a playoff. Um, I don't know if the I don't know if anybody in the ACC honestly will will get into that playoff. They might, they could, but it just depends on obviously the overall strength of the conference. We have to see how that plays out. This is obviously the last year of the fourteen playoff, and only so many can get in. And last year the ACC, if I remember correctly, was left out. So um, you know that could very well happen again. You never know. Yeah, I think with Florida State, here's here's what what I struggle with. Because when we talked Big 12 earlier this week, there were a couple teams, Texas, Oklahoma, like nine and a half. And I said, well, I, I cannot be convinced that one of these is awesome, but I could still see them get to 10 and two. I think Florida State's going to have to be pretty damn good to be 10 and two. Like it can't be a fake 10 and two because they've got that LSU game to start off with. That's going to be an incredibly that important game be, in college football. Big, big game. For sure. They are at Clemson. So we're going to figure that out very quickly. That's week four. So it's LSU Southern Miss at Boston College at Clemson bye week, early bye week. Then they got some stuff they should be okay with at Wake Forest, at Pitt, and then host Miami, and then at Florida at the end of the year. So my problem is if they lose those two to LSU and Clemson, can they go 10-0 in the rest of the games? They can, but I would still worry about stuff like at Wake, host Miami. You know, that's still a rivalry game. At yeah. Florida, still a rivalry game. I think they're better than Florida this year for sure. They did beat them in a close one last year. That was a but that was a, a, in a shootout, if I remember correctly. It was. But at Florida, is that a given at the end of the year? No, it's a rivalry game. It's not a right. given. So if they get one versus LSU or, or at Clemson, then I feel great about the 10. They're not going to lose two more on top of that. Yeah. It's just can I commit to them beating LSU or beating Clemson? The answer for me is no. I can't commit to that. I think LSU is going to be a little bit better than them. I know Florida State – did beat LSU in an epic as hell game last they year. Did. Yep. But I think LSU, yeah. that was game one for Brian Kelly. I yeah. know Mike Norvell has been steadily improving Florida State too, but Florida State was, still should have been farther along in their program at that time than LSU was. I and think LSU, LSU could have won that game as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they I had the, the, the block field goal, kick. Block kick. Yeah, 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 blocked yeah. field so goal. Blocked, right there. Block point after it would have been yep. overtime. Yep. Uh, so I, I think that LSU absolutely can get that done. And then at Clemson – 
We'll talk about Clemson in just a second, but again, I don't love that that's a road game for State. That's going to be another huge game. Again, the Florida State symbols, we're going to know a lot about them in one month football because again, LSU hosts Southern Miss at Boston College at Clemson, then a bye week. That bye week, we'll already know who Florida State is and we'll know if they're a national right. title contender or if they're destined for another kind of disappointment under Mike Norvell. We are out of time here for the second hour of the show. Coming up in hour number three, again, a, uh, a quick refresher on Big Cat Weekend, who's all coming to the Plains this weekend. And then again, we'll deep dive into these 2023 ACC win total over and under. So you're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Big Cat Weekend has arrived on the Plains. Again, the momentum around the program recruiting-wise. Again, it's been uh, it's been something else compared to what it's been, yeah. what it's been the last uh, last few years. Uh, again, this is more along the lines of either the best Malzahn classes were back when it uh, when it started off with with Chiswick in the 2009-2010 frame time frame. And so again, uh, we're going to run through the names here in uh, in just a second. Again, of all the people that are are going to be back on uh, the planes this weekend, and uh, again, it's it's going to be a long list. Uh, so, uh, again, we'll read it in just a second, Cam. But, again, the excitement around the program, again, continues to build with, with these big-time recruits. Yeah, absolutely, man. The, the excitement is just absolutely palpable. I mean, if Hugh Freeze is able to flip, you know, flip these three, uh, flip, uh, uh, you know, get K.J. Bolden to sign, flip Perry Thompson, and then just got – um, uh, DeMar- uh, Riddick to to flip as well, man. That I mean, that's big. Three five stars in just a span of a week is absolutely phenomenal. I I just uh, I mean, there's just so much excitement around the program. We already know about the sold out tickets, and I mean, they're just going like hotcakes. So it's it's really something to look forward to. It's crazy exciting, man. We'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line real quickly before I read off the uh, long list. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one eight nine at tiger 9 Next up on the show. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, I'm trying to spare you from a, a, a list of like 40 Auburn recruits that you probably <laughs> don't want to hear completely about, oh, but I, how are you this afternoon? I, I 
I know them all. Yeah, they're they're all three stars. So I don't I don't really. Yeah, that's not so true I'll this year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got you. I'll see. I'll see. Okay. Hey, man. Not that I take Steve's opinion for anything. I just wanted to call in and. You know, he keeps talking about strength of schedule, strength of schedule, and we've discussed this before. The better your team is, the, you know, the teams you play don't stand as good a chance of beating you, right? So if you're an eight-win team, and most teams are seven or eight wins, let's say, okay, in the middle of the pack. Most teams don't win ten games, right? So so your strength schedule, I mean, unless they just – take uh, the rank the teams and take the number of points and the team that has the highest point average, you know, or however they do it, if they do it in tiers. But what I was, but then I got to thinking in the past three or four years, Georgia has beaten Ohio state, Clemson, maybe twice, Notre Dame, definitely twice, Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, Michigan, Oregon, who else am I thinking? Oh, Auburn probably 17 times in a row. And who was it we played last year? I said Tulane, but that wasn't it. TCU. Okay. So, I mean, does it really matter if you play? Auburn doesn't get the opportunity to play these better teams because they can't make a bowl game because their schedule is so much tougher? Or do you understand the gripe at all? Yeah, no, look, I mean, again, I again, I don't agree that on the premise that Georgia does not have any sort of tough schedule. I mean, again, I, I, I do say it's not as tough as some of the others in the league, and I think that's because, as we've talked right. about, because they don't have well, what was going to be that Oklahoma game because of the, the change in the league. And then, uh, you know, obviously they're not playing themselves. They don't have – uh, Alabama this year. So again, I see why there's some merit to relative to the other SEC teams. Sure. But as you're alluding to, obviously this Georgia team has proven it two years in a row. They've also had some other big wins even before that. You even, uh, I don't know if you mentioned Oklahoma uh, in one of the playoff games. Maybe yeah. you did. Uh, but, but so again, I, I, again, I, I understand that uh, he has been very passionate about it. Uh, again, I Would agree. Go ahead. Would you rather not play Alabama and LSU? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. So, I, I guess what he's saying is Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, right? They right. Keep those. I don't. Okay. So, would he rather not play them, or would he rather just maybe if you're a, as good as them, right? It wouldn't be that tough a schedule. I think. You know? in, I think I, in I, his I, perfect world, I think he would just want Georgia to play all those teams too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I yeah. think he wants the rivalries uh, for sure, and I think we all want that. But, uh, again, yeah. you know, right. that, it, again, I, I I don't look at it as saying, hey, if Georgia goes 12-0 and this year, they didn't earn it or they would have lost multiple times if they played this, that, and the other team. I think, again, based off the last right. two years, I think we understand that they can, they can handle themselves. You could even throw in Tennessee from last year who – uh, at that time, was as hot as any team in the country in Georgia. Almost shut them out uh, for a, a long period of time. Well, so, and, and like I say, we've discussed this before. It, it goes up and down. Tennessee and Florida are down. LSU's up. You know, and we'll right. see about LSU this year. But, but as Auburn thinking, they're probably not going to keep LSU. 
Yeah, I, th- I, I think uh, it's a pretty good bet that once uh, we start the – whenever the permanent schedule comes out, I think it's a good bet Auburn LSU will not continue every year. Well, maybe. So, maybe. so that'll be one less tough game for them. So that'll be good. But, hey, I know you all got a long list of recruits. Uh, hope you get them all and get back up there to spend again. Okay? All and right, we'll talk Jeff. to you all later. You all have a great weekend. Appreciate you the too. phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always enjoy – Chopping up with Jeff uh, again. Uh, the Georgia schedule has caught the ire of of Steve, and again, I think no one's saying that it's the the toughest in the world this year. But also, uh, I don't think that again, uh, as I just said, Georgia has to right. prove themselves nah. or, or anything. And this is how it shook out this year. I think when we go to the model of having a, uh, a Texas and Oklahoma in the league, and we go to less constants and more rotational. I think there's going to be some even strength, and then I think everyone's still bicker about that at the end of the day too. So again, there's no way to do, <laughs> to do it where every single team is playing every single tough team all the time. Uh, even though Auburn has certainly been closer to that end of the spectrum, certainly uh, with, with Alabama and Georgia the way Alabama and Georgia's been, but um, again, we will. See how the new schedule plays out. And at the end of the day, Auburn's still in rebuild mode trying to take advantage of these big recruiting classes that they're now trying to uh, to form. And, again, that leads us into Big Cat Weekend. With I'm going to give you the full list. Again, this courtesy of On3. On3 does a great job with their uh, recruiting. And, again, we have some, some people from On3 on from time to time, and they're always great with their time. So I'm going to give you every name. Uh, this is a lot of names, but here you go. Demarcus Riddick, the five-star out of Chilton County High School, now in Auburn commit. Five-star K.J. Bolden out of Buford, Georgia. Again, these are reading all class of 2024 players first. Five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson out of Foley. Again, right now a Bama commit, but strongly projected to uh, flip that commitment to Auburn. Zaquan Patterson out of Hollywood, Florida, uh, which is a defensive back. Four-star offensive lineman DeAndre Carter out of Santa Ana, California. He's uncommitted right now. Four-star defensive back Jalen Hayward out of Rockledge, Florida, a Georgia commitment for now. Four-star offensive linebacker Joe Phillips out of Tuskegee, Alabama, a current Auburn commitment. Four-star Walker White, the quarterback out of Little Rock. Four-star corner Jalen Crawford, current commitment to Auburn out of Littleburn, Georgia. Four-star corner uh, Jalewis uh, Solomon out of, I believe that's Ellaville, Georgia, or Ellaville, Georgia. And, uh, again, he's uncommitted. Four-star linebacker out of Hoover, Bradley Shaw, four-star wide receiver out of Alexander City, Benjamin Russell High School, Malcolm Simmons. Four-star running back Duke Watson out of Forsyth, Georgia. He's a Louisville commitment right now. Four-star DB Amon Lane, current Auburn commit. Four-star defensive back Jaden Lewis out of Anniston, a current Auburn commitment. Four-star running back Jamarian Fat Burnett out of Andalusia. He is an Auburn commitment. Four-star DB Kinsley Faustin out of Naples, an Auburn commitment. Three-star or four-star wide receiver Bryce Kane, an Auburn commit out of Mobile. I think he's three-star in other services. Three-star linebacker D'Angelo Barber out of Pinson, which is Clay Chalkville, Auburn commit. Three-star DL defensive lineman Malik Blockton out of Pike Road. Three-star defensive lineman Dimitri Nicholas out of Opelika, Florida. Not, not Opelika, Alabama. Opelika, Florida. Uh, he is uncommitted. Three-star tight end Martavis Collins out of Calhoun, Georgia, an Auburn commit, and three-star offensive tackle out of Madison, Alabama, Reese Baker. Ooh. All right, that's the 2024 players. Again, I was not lying, 30, 40, 50, these guys. Here's 2025s. Uh, not quite as many, but still several. Five-star wide receiver Ryan Williams, again, son of Ryan Williams Sr. Uh, he is currently an Alabama commit out of Saraland. Uh, 20. 20- 
2025 four-star offensive, or excuse me, outside linebacker Jared Smith out of Birmingham, Spain Park High School. Uncommitted four-star outside linebacker Zion Grady out of Troy, Alabama, Charles Henderson. Four-star corner Devin Williams out of Buford, Georgia. Four-star outside linebacker Ja'Caleb Falk out of Highland Home. Four-star linebacker Jacoby Hopson out of Lake Cormant, Mississippi. Four-star defensive lineman Jordan Crawford out of Birmingham Parker High School. Four-star athlete Derek Smith out of Selma Southside High School. Four-star outside linebacker C.J. May out of Highland Home. So a couple out of Highland Home. Four-star defensive linebacker Kevin Otis out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Three-star defensive lineman Malik Autry and Auburn commit out of Opelika. Three-star outs or excuse me, offensive lineman Mal Weldrup out of Phoenix City, Central Phoenix City High School. Three-star wide receiver Dalen Upshaw out of Central Phoenix City. Then some not-ranked players: Spencer Dallin, an offensive lineman out of Athens. Defensive lineman Jion uh, Simon out of Jacksonville, Florida, and an unranked corner uh, John Tavian Pierce out of Montgomery, Alabama. A couple 2026 players that we talked about: Keenan Britt out of Oxford, the younger brother of KJ Britt. Also outside linebacker Hezekiah Harris out of Anston and one player out of the 2027 class, quarterback Trent Seaborn out of Alabaster Thompson High School. Oh, man. Man, that's a lot. That's it's good news. Lot. I'm glad to read Great a lot news. of names to glad everyone. To, glad to read all those I names. I hope everyone cared because that was, that was a lot of names if you're not caring about the current status of Auburn recruiting. Again, those are all the visitors listed for Big Cat Weekend this weekend. Again, Cam, before we go to break and we get back on the ACC Wintos, another word just about some of these guys and about Auburn. Very hopeful that they will get not just one but multiple commitments this weekend. Yeah, absolutely exciting to have all of these guys coming to Auburn to see what the uh, to get this experience of Big Cat Weekend. Uh, obviously, you have a lot of already guys that are already committed to Auburn. Uh, which can just help with the guys that are committed to Auburn and uh, give you even more of an opportunity to sell and say, hey, come join me, come play with me, do this, this, and this, whatever, you know, however that ends up playing out, whatever they do at Big Cat Weekend, uh, whether, you know, they maybe do some drill, I don't know what they're going to do, probably just going to hang out, I guess it's a big, Obviously a big family uh, environment yeah, big, too. Yeah, yeah, big time official visit, everybody's hanging out, family environment, you know, just enjoying the atmosphere of being around Auburn, tour the entire, you know, entire campus facilities, all of that stuff. So uh, it's really exciting. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad that all these guys are coming to Auburn and, and really just checking out how it is. And, and, you know, I'm just glad that there's some interest in Auburn again. Um, It just seems like, you know, in the past few years that, you know, Auburn's been kind of there, but it's kind of like they're almost more of an afterthought. Um, And, and, I feel like it is not an not the interest in Auburn that lacked. It's again the interest in the the high school player True. that lacked from Auburn's yeah. side of also things. Also, that side of things, I, I would I would say it was more of that. I think right. you talk to some of these kids. Some of these kids, I mean, the twenty twenty four kids, you get you start recruiting them a year ago, two years right. ago. I mean, you see, we got we got twenty twenty six players even coming yep. on, on this big cat weekend. The recruiting process for for twenty twenty four guys started the the year Harson got here. And you you hear some of them say that they were they were said all right cool thanks for coming by, or or not pursued and and not again just not yeah. the time it is time time put in uh, everyone rolls out the red carpet all these kids okay 
it, it, Auburn's not unique in that. I mean, you heard the story right. about Demarcus Riddick in Alabama again with the pulling up in the in the Mercedes or whatever, whatever the car was, Lincoln. I don't remember. Insert luxury car here <laughs> right. to the stadium. Right. Uh, and, and so all these kids at all these big schools get a great treatment. It is time put in. It's the relationships built. Obviously, money does factor in. Opportunity factors in. All that. Uh, and and. The previous staff was not doing that, nope. and again, we have said that eighty-seven times in the show. Yeah. It'll come up eighty-seven yeah, more times, but I think again, I think it was not before. the lack of interest in Auburn; it was the lack of interest in these kids in the process from the Auburn coaches. Yeah, I mean, and now here we are. You know, now we are here with are, what it should be, with exactly with a, yeah. what it should be, what the expectations around Auburn are, and and now it seems uh, Hugh Freeze is getting things going in the right direction. So it'll be exciting to hear what the results of Big Cat Weekend will be. Uh, if we get some recruits over the weekend, obviously, if you're, excuse me, if you're on social media, you'll see those pretty quickly as they come out. Um, you know, Perry Thompson is expected to make his, I guess, final commitment tomorrow, but he'll be at Big Cat Weekend. So if that tells you something that, you know, seems, sh- seems would be a positive yeah, thing. Seems yeah. would be a positive thing. So we'll see. Uh, it, and so it, it, it's absolutely something um, that we where everybody seems to be looking forward to. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a good time. We're going to take our first time out here of our number three. Again, uh, I think this weekend, one of the best places to stay tuned to coverage. Yes, on three. Yes, two, four, seven. All these great science rivals, all that. Just follow the Twitter feed of Trevon Reed, to yep. be honest with you. Are we done if, yet? If, if Trevon's <laughs> tweeting a lot this weekend, that means yeah, a lot of good things are happening. Pretty much. That's pretty much it. Uh, first time out here of hour number three. When we come back, we'll jump hard into those ACC 2023 over-under win totals. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday, starting to get towards the weekend here uh, as a Big Cat Weekend. Hopefully we come on air Monday with you and we're just like, this guy committed, this guy committed, this class is now ranked this, this class is now ranked this, and all that sort of thing. Uh, But a big weekend in store for recruits on the Plains. And again, we've uh, talked about it a couple times, different times today. If you missed it, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast. Presented by Coca-Cola. All right, let's deep dive into these 2023 ACC win totals. Uh, talked a little bit about Florida State in the at the end of the second hour. That was the only one we were able to get to. What about Clemson at 9.5? Uh, so you kind of believe there's not going to be an ACC team to make the playoff again. Yeah. Now, does that mean that we don't have no 10-win teams? I think you took Florida State in the over, right? You took them to be at least 10-2? and two? Yes, I did. All right, so what about Clemson? I, I believe that Clemson will still – I still think Clemson will win – you know, plenty of games. Um, you know, their schedule doesn't doesn't seem to be like it's too crazy difficult. Um, yeah, biggest non-con out. game is Notre Dame. Yeah, late in the so year. so Notre Dame late in the year is your biggest game. Again, it's just like 
Your two big games are going to be Florida State and Notre Dame. Uh, maybe Miami can surprise some people, but I just don't think they're there yet. Um, and so with those, and then you have North Carolina as well at the end of the season. That could be something. And at South Carolina, I will tell you, yeah, on the how, second how half clearly tougher than the first yeah, half. Absolutely tougher than the first half. Definitely looking at that. You don't know. I just I don't know how NC State's going to be. I can't really. You know, I mean, they're projected at at six and a half. So again. They're not really projected to be that good. Seven, you know, six and a half wins, and eh, could I? I mean, I don't think I don't think NC State's. They might win seven. Yeah, they I mean, might. they haven't replaced Devin Leary. Right, they haven't, I, right? Yeah. So I, I eh, whatever. Um, I, I just, I, I still think they're going to be good. I still think they're going to probably win at least ten, maybe eleven games. You know, I, I could, I could see them having one loss at the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised. Kate Klubnick is the truth, so <laughs> he is. That dude's good. He's, he is. He's a very good quarterback. Um, uh, but you know, the the rest of the team around him might be a little bit of some question marks. I think. I, I just, I don't know. You know how good they're going to end up being. Um, but in terms of overall coaching, obviously, we know that Dabo Sweeney will. He, he gets the job done at the end of the day. He does. Um, and, and so I think he'll come back with this team still having solid a solid year, a good year. So when I look at Clemson, again, as we just noted, second half of the year clearly tougher. The only big game in the first half is Florida State. Now, granted, that is a huge game. But yes. second, second half of the year, I only think one game is just in, inherently easy. At Miami, okay, I, you talked me into that being difficult. At NC State, maybe. Uh, host Notre Dame difficult. Host Georgia Tech's the one I feel pretty easy about. Host North Carolina, who figures to be a top four or five team in the conference. Right. And then at South Carolina, who, of course, we can't take lightly right. because, of course, South Carolina beat Clemson in exactly. uh, in Clemson last year. Yep. So uh, that is now not as suddenly a, 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 a walking park had been right, yep. the last seven or eight years. Some stats on Clemson. I'll just to show you how last year was difficult for them, yet they still went 11-3. and three. 33.2 points a game. That's the second lowest output in the last eight years by a Clemson offense. Um, tying the Kelly Bryant year, basically, from 2017. And then the only year worse was the year before with DJ Uyang Ole as the, as the quarterback. Right. So that uh, was obviously not a strong point. But even defensively, listen to these gaudy defensive numbers the last seven years. And I think this is why Clemson has been able to translate okay. That's why they won a couple – uh, of national titles and why they, they they despite not being in the SEC school their defense always usually holds up. Yeah. 2016 18 points a game then 13.6, 13.1, 13.5. Yeah, 20.2, 14.8 in 2021 and then last year was actually their worst output 20.9 points a game which is still not awful. They do have eight returning defensive starters. The point being is I think they are still on a clear rung above the Miami's NC states of the world. Uh is Florida State truly to them? Are they really going to start to have the yips against South Carolina? You know, they dominated North Carolina in the conference title game last year. I wouldn't worry too much about North Carolina. Yeah. But I think that clearly the rivalry game of the end of the year is going to be tough. Even if South Carolina is only 6-5, and 7-4 and four yeah. coming in the year. Coming, or coming yeah. in the game. And then also just that Florida State game being early. At least they have Duke. And I know it sounds weird because we will talk about Duke in a little bit. At least they have Duke before the Florida State game, which is actually their very first game of the year. Duke's not going to be half bad. They're in that hodgepodge of teams in six and a half. They have a really good quarterback uh, from the Mobile area, I think fair, from Fairhope, Riley Leonard, mm-hmm. uh, who was a, a really good freshman for them last year. A little too good for my liking. Um, <laughs> and uh, he Duke's not bad. Mike Elko and Duke, that that's – 
they they, they yeah. look like they're going to be Cutcliffe maybe even better with, okay. with, with Elko. So I don't think Duke's a nothing. I think Duke is at least in the middle of the ACC. If they finished fifth or so, it wouldn't be shocking. It's also important to remember because you heard several coastal teams on there, George Zach, Carolina, Duke. What, what, where's all this coming from? Uh, remember, no more divisions in the ACC. No. That went ahead and started. So uh, top two t- teams, excuse me, go to the conference title game. Making look, Florida State game was already really important because that was an Atlantic game, um, and it's uh, it, you know it, that winner would have been in the front row. Right. But it makes something like Miami or North Carolina very important because I would think that if you're talking outside of Clemson, Florida State, remember Notre Dame's still not in this league. North Carolina, Miami, maybe Louisville. They, those are again in the over under wise. Those are the next teams up, and they play Carolina, they play Miami, so. Those games at the end of the year will be very important because if Clemson does lose that Florida State game, they still can make the title game. Right. They just need to they keep winning keep against winning. other avenues. Right. I do ultimately trust Clemson enough to go at least ten and two. Is the moral so. of my story? I agree. Um, I like the Notre Dame's at home. Notre Dame games at home. I like the Florida State games at home. So the two best teams they play, regardless of where, when they play at home. So I do like them to finish at least ten and two. We'll see if Klubnik's awesome. Yeah, their ceiling is the playoff again. If he's just okay, if he's just good, I think there's enough issues to say, yeah, they lose one, maybe two, and then they're they're out. Two lost team in the ACC is not getting it. All right, what about some of these other teams? Give me another team or two. Give me something that you maybe you like under or something that you just thought was great value. Had to, had to pick that one up. So I I actually have Miami at under seven and a half wins. Okay. Um, like I said, I kind of I kind of hinted on it. I just don't think they're there yet. They finished the year five and seven last year. Um, you know, with with some, I mean, just you know, I mean, it was I mean, looking bad. Losses to Middle Tennessee, and you know, I mean, obviously that one's a big one. They lost at Texas A and M. You know, losing to North Carolina, losses to Duke. To uh, lo- you know, beat Virginia, but in four overtimes. Right. You know, I mean, just, well, and they were getting pounded by a yeah. couple of these teams too. They lost forty-five to three to Florida right. State. That's yeah. just awful. That's just, yeah. It's so, I mean, just terrible. So they, they, I just don't think that they are there yet. I, I just, I don't know how long it's going to take because I know when when Crystal Ball got hired, everybody was like, oh, Miami's back now. They've got this head coach who just left another Power 5 program in Oregon to come back to his alma mater in Miami. He's going to get the team right. It's just, you know, and it is only his second year as well. So I do, you know, I'm not saying that he's on the hot seat by any means or anything like that, but I think it's just going to take some time, you know, for them to figure it out. I don't you know, I'm I'm looking at their schedule right now. They're they're gonna start off one and zero. They're gonna play Miami, Ohio, but then they they uh, Texas A and M does come to town. Obviously, that's predicated on how we don't know what Texas A and M is gonna look like. That's such a big game for A and M. Yeah, but it, it it could I could see Texas A and M winning that game. So that could it be right there one and one. Bethune Cookman. I mean, that's a that's gonna be a win at Temple. I would assume that's a win. Then they have the bye. Then they go then they go against Georgia Tech. Don't know how Georgia Tech's going to look. Probably not great, though. So, you know, that could be a win. At North Carolina, I expect them to lose that game. Um, they lost They lost. A, they lost at home to North Carolina. So I, I think, you know, bring, with North Carolina bringing back Drake May, I think they, they're going to lose that game. They're going to lose a, a, against Clemson. Um, you know, then they go against Virginia. That could be, again, a, game, a team that they took the four overtimes and won, but that could very well be a loss. Uh, and I mean, the score was only 
14 to 12. So uh, not a high scoring affair. Um, at NC State, we don't know how exactly NC State's going to look, but over, so, you know, they're at six and a half wins. NC State, they, you know, like you said, they didn't replace Devin Leary, so you never know. But then they go to Florida State, that's a loss. They play Louisville. That could be interesting. You never know. That's a toss-up game for me. And then at Boston College, another another potential toss-up game for me. I know you know Boston College isn't projected to be great at five and a half wins right now, and but that could be a toss-up game. I just you just never know. I mean, they, like I said last year, they finished five and seven, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, they're returning ten starters on defense at the very least, and nine on offense, but. Um, Maybe that one more year together will help them, but I don't have too many expectations just yet. In the third year, you know, when we do this again in the next year, I I would expect that there Miami has really yeah, yeah that Miami has some type of momentum. I and again, I'm not I don't you know they could surprise they could surprise here. There could there are a couple like I said toss up games like A and M that's a toss up game, Louisville that's a toss up game, Virginia toss up game. So if they win if they come out on the to- on top of for some of those wins, then you're looking a lot better. You're looking at you know maybe uh maybe they could be over, but I I still think they're going to be under seven and a half wins. I think they might be right at seven wins. You get good value for betting the over, which is the only uh, way I would I would see be more tempted here. It's plus one twenty five to bet the over seven and a half, minus one fifty to take the under. Um, again, all this is courtesy of Bet MGM. This was published about two weeks ago, almost three now. Uh, so again, it's possible some lines have changed. Certainly, so if you go on there and see a different number, that would be why. But plus one twenty-five for the over makes me more tempted. There's been a lot of interesting quarterback movement in the ACC, and it doesn't pertain as much to Miami, I would say, but it does affect these middle teams, and that's why I value someone like Riley Leonard being back at Duke and that sort of thing, uh, because Miami uh, they have Tyler Van Dyke who impressed some people when he played a little bit as a freshman in 21 but really was not as what they wanted him to be last year so there's still some potential there and certainly room to grow a lot of returning stars back in Chris Ball's second year again I there there is not going to be I don't think a big step by them but can the gradual climb be eight wins instead of seven very possibly some other quarterback movement in the league though are quarterbacks to keep an eye on so what NC State did to try to replace um to try to replace Devin Leary is they got Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. Right. Weakened Virginia, who was already just three and seven or eight last yeah. year. I think they had a game canceled. Uh, so not a great year last year. So Brennan Armstrong, he's he's okay. He's not horrible. Watched him a good bit, but he's not as good as Devin Leary. So that's a consideration for NC State. Also, Boston College no longer has Phil Udrakevich, a uh, longtime quarterback for them. They've got a new quarterback this year, so that's going to affect them, who was kind of in the middle, maybe now towards the bottom. Um, so that part of it is important. And then also the part about Wake Forest not having Sam Hartman anymore, yeah. transferring to Notre Dame. Yep. That's big for Notre Dame. That is big. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of job Freeman can do uh, as a complete coach there because I think they should have a good offense with, with Sam Hartman. Yeah. I mean, they put up unbelievable numbers at Wake Forest with him. Yeah. So when I when I look through this too, I, I hate to hate to give them credit, but I I tell you one that I like over, and that is Duke. Duke <laughs> is only six and a half. Duke last year that just kills you inside a little bit. I, I, I'm throwing up a little bit as we speak. Um, Duke went eight and four in the regular year last year. They then defeated uh, UCF pretty handily uh, for a ninth win. That was just Elko's first year. 
They have a lot of returning stars. They got 10 returning offensive stars. They got eight on defense. Statistically, you know how you know how good Elko got that defense compared to what they were last year? How, mm-hmm. How's this sound? 20, I'm, just, I'm not going to read you multiple years. I just need to tell you one year. 2021, okay, the year before we got there, 39.8 points a game allowed. Sheesh. You walk this in to Wallace Wade yeah, Stadium, you better dropping, score six yeah, touchdowns yeah, in 2021. Forward. Last year? 22.1. They gave up an That's Iowa crazy. amount of points scored less per game. <laughs> they gave up 17 less points per game last year in Elko's first year. That's crazy. On top of the fact that Riley Leonard, and I was wrong, he was a sophomore last year, my apologies. Riley Leonard, 20 TDs to 6 picks, 64%, nearly 3,000 yards. That is good stuff from the Duke quarterback. And again, I told you about all the returnees they've got. And look, non-conference-wise, they are going to be a little bit burdened by the fact that they have to play Notre Dame, okay? By the way, uh, so I, I do want a, a quick aside here. Remember, Vandy scheduled uh, made Auburn technically the homecoming game right. for this year. To, our, to everyone's credit, I did not hear a lot of people freak out about it, but just to tell you how homecomings are not always about someone you can beat, right. uh, Duke's homecoming this year is Notre Dame. Oh, that's fine. Uh, so I don't think that that is intended to – Think, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to get the Fighting Irish. This is a great homecoming game. Uh, it's just sometimes how the schedule plays out. But their other non-conference games are UConn. Wouldn't worry about it if I was Duke. No. Northwestern, Northwestern, definitely not worried about it. And Lafayette, <laughs> yeah. not an F- FBS program. So they're definitely still getting at least three wins out of their non-con. They do have Clemson. It's going to be tough to start the year. We talked about Notre Dame. But they've got Virginia. I don't think it matters where they play Virginia. I don't think Virginia's no, going to be any good this year. I don't year. think they are either. I like 50-50 games like NC State, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh being at home. Uh, so I ultimately like them to go about 8-4 and four this year. Uh, they had Carolina dead to rights last year. Carolina had a hell of a last-minute drive by Drake May. Uh, so that's not even a game, even though it's in Chapel Hill. Uh, that game is a great rivalry. That, that game is going to be a close game. That might be something winnable for Duke, too. So – I really don't disqualify Duke from winning any of these games except for maybe Clemson and Notre Dame. I think they can win every other game that they're playing in, and they won't. I don't think they'll go 10-2, and two, but to clear six and a half, yeah, I think they can split the difference yeah, on three or four sure. tough games and, and win eight, even eight games this year. So I like that for Duke. Uh, let me look one or two other things here, and then we'll take our final timeout. Again, this is a uh, a – a joined league now. There's no right. divisions, so top two teams go. Um, we had Notre Dame in here. I guess we didn't talk about Notre Dame. Notre yeah. Dame at eight and a half. Uh, I threw them in there. Yes or not, ACC, but they play half the, the schedule. Might we talked well about the be. same Sam Hartman bit. Again, that yeah. is a big-time quarterback in there for Notre Dame. That was kind of a problem last year. I know Buckner ended up transferring – he played a little better as of late, but he ends up transferring to Alabama. Well, that was fine. Uh, he was not going to start at Notre Dame no, this year, wasn't. by the way. It was not going to be him. It was going to be Sam Hartman. So that part of it is interesting. Uh, the rest of their team, rest of their schedule, we mentioned uh, their their non-conference or non-ACC games, I should say. I should not put out there as a non-conference, as they're technically all non-conference. Again, don't ask me. Um, but – Navy, feel great about. Tennessee State, feel great about. NC State, I think Notre Dame's just better than NC State. Central Michigan, sure. I think it's 4-0 start. Now, here's the trouble. Ohio State, that's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. It's a big game. It's a big game for the Buckeyes, too. That will be uh, in South Bend. At Duke, could be a trap game right after that. At Louisville, I think they'll right the ship. 
hosting USC. That's another big game. Really big game. Bye week, host Pittsburgh. Feel good about it. But then at Clemson, another big game. Another bye week, host Wake Forest at Stanford. Stanford's not going to be any good this year. Wake Forest, that's the that's the Sam Hartman game, but it yeah. is in South Bend. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I wouldn't think Wake Forest would be able to rise up there, although the Wake Forest team will certainly know how Sam Hartman, like, Hartman likes to play quarterback. Anyway, three huge games, Ohio State, USC, Clemson. I mean, those if Notre Dame is truly good this year, those are three must-watch games. The rest of it, I think, is a tier, clear tier below them. Their number's eight and a half. I think I like them over. I, I mean, I, yeah, I know I they went nine well. and four last year, uh, but if they even win one of those three, then they can afford a random loss at Louisville or something like that, or at NC State. And, and again, even then, I think they're a tier above them. Clearly, that team was so different after the first few games of the week. Uh, it was. Uh, a team that once they got rid of those Marshall bugaboos, okay, after they had that horrible Marshall performance, they only yeah. lost two more games. Now, they did lose to Sanford, which was another weirdly bad one. But after Marshall beat Cal, beat North Carolina, who was a competent team last year, beat BYU when they were number 16 in the country, then had that weird Stanford loss, but then went on a run, beat UNLV, Punished Syracuse, who was ranked at that time. They beat him 41-24. Beat the snot out of Clemson last year. Beat him 35-14. It was a very disappointing Clemson game. It took them out of the playoff discussion. Remember that. Beat Navy 35-32. Squashed Boston College 44-0. And against Southern Cal at their place, only lost 38-27. That team, I think we laughed at them so hard after the Marshall game yeah, we forgot. that we didn't realize <laughs> that they beat multiple top right, 25 right. teams by the end of the year. And believe me, I'm not some Notre Dame stan. I, I don't t- t- particularly love the Fighting Irish. But the thing, is. the thing they're going 8-4 and four this year just because they got two or three really big games. They won a big right. game or two they even did. last year when they didn't look awesome under Marcus Freeman. So with Sam Hartman, I I like their chances of being a 9-10 win team this year. I also like their chances of being a 9-10 win this year. I agree with everything that you said and the addition to Sam Hartman. I think quarterback play was something. I mean, they had a rotation of like what three different dudes that tried to, you know, that they tried to make work in, in Yeah, the Drew Pine, right, Buckner. Drew Pine, Buckner. Pine was the main guy. Buckner's actually Buckner's who started the year and played poorly right. against Marshall. Pine right. came in. That's Pine what changed in. their equation. Right. And and so they they had, those, I guess it was those two guys then, yeah. uh, that they were kind of rotating, trying to figure out how to make that work and, and be successful. And, uh, I mean, it ended up working out where they ended up having Pine and he ended up being useful. But the addition of Sam Hartman, that is some consistency. That's good quarterback play, really good quarterback play, uh, a great arm and, and great decision-making. Um, so you have a lot to, to work with there. Uh, the rest of the team obviously has to grow and build around it. You're returning only six offensive players and eight defensive players. So maybe not as much continuity. Maybe the offense might be a little bit clunky, uh, you know, playing against Navy. Oh, and they play in Ireland. That'll be cool. Um, <laughs> you know, with that, and, and, and then you get Tennessee luck State. Irish. Right, luck of the Irish. You get, and then you get to play Tennessee State, so that might be the best way to have a kind of get-right game if you're, if you're Notre Dame and – because you do have a tough schedule. I mean, you play against Ohio State, you go to Duke, who could be, like you said, Ryan, could be pretty good. You, I mean, you say to your case, I didn't know much about Duke, but you do, so, you know, in terms of just how you Yeah, I'd follow. love to tell you yeah. Duke's going to and two yeah. this year. Concrete <laughs> Bowl, you, follow, you know, sign me follow up. Follow ACC and all that. So I, I know you know your stuff when it comes to that. Um, 
Uh, and then, you know, playing against USC, that's another going to be a really tough game. Um, but, again, could be, a, could be a toss-up. And then you go to Clemson. Uh, you know, just a lot of, a lot of tough games that, that Notre Dame has, but winnable games. Uh, so I definitely could absolutely see them winning, you know, nine, ten games in the season. I will say this. If they do come out of this somehow 11-1 and one this year, the conversation that they didn't have a tough road is not going to be out there, provided that Clemson doesn't fall flat on their face or USC or something like that. Because, again, Ohio State, USC, Clemson, those three teams, I think they'll all be in the preseason top ten. And in the case of Ohio State, they'll be preseason top three. And USC might be five-ish, four, yeah. five, six-ish. And then Clemson should be somewhere in the high single digits, a seven, eight, nine, wherever. Yeah. That's three preseason top ten teams. Again, unless they completely face plant this year, that's three marquee games the Fighting Irish are going to be involved in. That will do it for the 2023 ACC over-under win totals. Again, boom, boom. several we could have hit on, but again, reminder, we'll preview the, all, all the conferences with not just the win total in mind, but the conferences as a whole a little bit closer to the season. So we will circle back uh, to these Power 5 conferences, but had a lot of fun with the win totals here throughout this week. We're going to take one final timeout back to wrap up the show for the day and for the week right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Final couple minutes of sports calling today. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you. Had a very football-heavy show today. I, we yeah. barely used the words base and ball. Uh, what even is that? Uh, I guess we used the word ball because of football. <laughs> I, I tried a little too hard there. But we didn't use the word base very Got often em. today. Uh, had a lot on uh, Big Cat Weekend coming up this weekend in the 30-40 to 40 Recruits are going to be on campus between the 2024 and 2025 recruiting cycles. Then also more thoughts on the college football expansion, conference expansion, Big 12. Then we just did ACC over-under win totals there. So I uh, had fun show, very football fun show. Again, coming up next week, not quite on Monday, but a little bit later next week, we will start our SEC team previews. We will make sure the calendar turns to August before we do that. We will lump Missouri and Vandy together. Sorry about it. Uh, tough for Missouri, tough for Vandy. But sorry, not sorry. At least you're getting a segment or two. And uh, we'll hit on each SEC team. We'll do a preview each day, uh, 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. We'll see, uh, depending on what needs to be discussed about each SEC team. That's going to lead us pretty close to the season uh, once uh, once we get through all that. So, again, just a lot of football. We're officially in the preseason uh, in my opinion, start to break all this down. Final minute or two of the show for today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Six o'clock on ESPN. We got Little League softball. I know that the 
Little League uh, Softball and Baseball World Series will be starting up pretty soon here. It is late summer after all. Uh, so Little League Softball, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Also, Athletes Unlimited Softball, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. If you're looking for the Atlanta Braves, they are back in action tonight. Another series with the Milwaukee Brewers, this time at Truist Park, 620 for the Braves and the Brewers. Of course, you can listen to all Braves games on our sister station, 1230 WAUT Auburn. Returning to the TV booth tonight, Jeffrey and Core. It's been, I don't know, years since he's been in the booth yeah, last. Right. Maybe that's why they're struggling. No yeah, Frenchie right. in there. No so Frenchie. If Braves come out and score four in the first, we've blamed it all on Fran Core. <laughs> Put it that way. So that's 620 Valley Sports Southeast. A couple movie picks. 7 o'clock FX. It's Captain America. And then 745 on HBO 2, it's Pulp Fiction in a Quentin Tarantino classic. I believe that was on the TV Guide earlier this week. Getting a lot of recycled movies on here. I don't know if they're favorites of Brooks or if we're just starting to realize that there's only like 12 movies that rotate. Yeah, low-key, right? As a kid, there were certain movies that always felt like they were on, and you watched them like half a dozen times. I feel like that's definitely been happening with TV Guide movies. Absolutely has been. We've uh, been in non-sports season, but that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Fun show today, Cam. Thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great weekend, sir. Travel safe. We'll see you again next week. I shall. I hope you have a great weekend as well, Ryan. Uh, Thank you, sir. We appreciate all those that tuned in, not only today, but throughout the week. For Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend. Have a great Big Cat weekend. And we'll talk to you again on Monday.